0: It's been almost a goddamn week since Stefan died those fucking paramedics bastards, fucking bastards, all of them I'm never gonna see him again fuck at least the last time all three of us were together we had fun it was a good day actually that was a really good day, indeed.
1: <laughs> it's the career. It's a choose-your-own-adventure. <laughs> it's like yeah, it's like Black Mirror's Bandersnatch. <laughs> what a Black Mirror shit. parasite! What a, what a ridiculous idea that was. I never saw it, and I, I have well, it's no because it was interactive. It was interactive on Netflix, right? So you literally oh, got to choose the outcome.
2: I know, I, I know the gimmick. I'm just not interested in it because, Black it, I always, stopped being good, stop being good after like the first season. Yeah,
1: well, uh, I don't know if I agree with that. I don't. I just don't think Bandersnatch was necessarily good one because, like, I don't know why, but whenever I do those like Choose Your Adventure things, I always do. I get like the perfect run through the first go, mm-hmm. and then everything after that's like, oh, you failed here. Gotta go back to the beginning. It's like, well, I've already seen what happens. <laughs> why do why do I need to watch this again? <laughs> I would always just
2: cheat on those books. Like, whatever. It's no consequence. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Little did you know, Stefan, it was training you for the apocalypse timeline Ar- where Al Stein social quo is doing choose your adventures, and if you choose wrong, you actually die in real
2: life. <laughs> I- I'm just like reading uh uh reading uh fucking Those goosebumps choose your own adventures in the school library. And then I like cackled 12 year old me cackles to myself as I turn the corner and uh, after cheating and then a teacher immediately like shanks me. I'm just imagining you
0: cheating on a choose your own adventure book with like, I don't know, like Harry Potter or some shit like that. And like the choose your own adventure book comes around the corner and goes, What the fuck are you doing, you son of a bitch? <laughs> you have these items remaining. <laughs> are you trying to you kill us to all? You need to flip the page 95, you asshole.
2: <laughs> <laughs> like it's it's one of those scared straight prison visits. I don't know if they actually do those anymore. Scared straight, <laughs> but an no no, no, no no. Scared
1: straight but an interactive.
0: <laughs> no 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 like, no 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 it's 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 choose your own
2: prison sentence no choose no it's prison sentence. It, it's like you have you go, to, you go to a scared straight visit to some prison and one guy's like uh yeah i uh i i killed a guy in cold blood and the other one's like yeah i committed massive tax fraud and the other guy's like yeah i stole like 80 cars and then one guy's the choice like, yeah I, ch- I cheated on a choose your own adventure book
1: <laughs> the choice is which one do you punch in the face first <laughs>
2: I see said, what happens. It just cuts to me stomping the shit out of the guy who <laughs> cheated on a choose your own adventure book. How dare you disrespect <laughs> the rules of, of adventuring, you heathen? Do they still do scared straight meetings? Because it feels like I feel like that's kind of know. fucked up. It's fucked up. I want to look yeah. it up. Uh it's really I, fucked up. I feel I feel like it was more, more so a premise for like
1: it was an Emmy nominated series. Why? <laughs> what? <laughs> Beyond scared and we
0: straight. We couldn't get an Emmy oh, sorry.
1: sorry, beyond scared straight, not scared straight. Beyond scared straight.
2: Mad Max, beyond scared straight. <laughs> <laughs> is this is this like the 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 concept we're thinking of? Though is it actually like prison visits or is it something else?
0: Yeah, no. If if I remember, <laughs> I've watched the, a couple episodes of it. It's basically o- prison visits.
1: One oh, of the God. quotes is, "I am so proud of the teenage lives that have been changed and even saved over our eighty-three episodes and six years of production."
0: Allow me to translate that. We're so proud that we scarred a bunch of kids for life.
2: Pretty pretty much. And did nothing to lower the crime rate. Anyway. Uh, uh,
1: my, my, my favorite, though, is that kid who's like, you want to come inside? But the guy's like, the door's not open all the way. I can't. And I'm like, you smart mouth motherfucker.
2: <laughs> now that we got the preamble out of the way. everyone welcome back to another thrilling episode <laughs> hold on wait one second Stefan. before you start god damn i just
1: it. I, i'm sorry i had to notice when i looked up territory i'm just on the google search results and for some reason I, on the search bar it says this page is tracking your location
2: yeah yeah. So, uh, okay stop that <laughs> <laughs> okay no more looking up Spirit straight that's more than a little eerie <laughs> okay nope fbi open up oh fuck <laughs> okay anyway go all on right. <laughs> all right well now that uh brandon is wanted by the dea uh <laughs> it's time to get this episode of sequel decay underway uh welcome back folks uh i'm Stefan and i'm joined by brandon pollock hello and chris ranta hello uh chris <laughs> ranta just a fucking beam of sunshine <laughs> yeah, as always it's so to the energy of this podcast <laughs> It is minute 10. Come on. You sound so defeated, Chris. He's like, hello. I'm
1: here. I'm still here.
0: I, put, I still put, I put like a semblance of effort into saying hello today. And you guys still shit all over me.
1: Is that what you call a semblance of effort? <laughs> it didn't yes. sound like it. He's <laughs> like, hey, Chris. I'm like, and Brandon Paul, like, hello. And Chris, Hello. <laughs> <laughs> welcome I, I, to the podcast I, <laughs> I
0: i put more i put more effort into saying hello on the podcast than i do editing the podcast
2: yeah i find that very hard to believe <laughs> jesus um <laughs> but anyway so we're back today examining probably the only good thing to ever come out of australia the mad max franchise Ah, uh, yes uh oh, yes. it which yeah. Thanks, Chris. (laughs) Mad Max is like at this point is like one of the archetypal post apocalyptic movies, I think, because like whenever like, I don't know, an animated show does like a post apocalyptic episode for whatever reason, like it always it, it most of the time it will like default back to, oh, suddenly the characters are dressed in leather and cannibalizing each other or something. Honestly, like that kind of like quasi BDSM lunacy doesn't really start until Road Warrior, but they all kind of lay the lay the groundwork. I mean, that.
1: I'm pretty sure Julia summed it up pretty well.
2: Yeah, exactly. My my girlfriend Julia asked what we were recording on today, and I said the Mad Max movies, and she mm. replied, "Is that those leather fetish race car movies in the desert?" <laughs> and I replied, "Yes, yes, yes. they are." Yes, they is. <laughs> so good <laughs> leather fetish race car movies in the desert and then she replied fun exclamation point pretty much sums up the whole episode the whole episode i think we're done here goodbye folks no, yes.
1: bye uh, see ya. thanks for joining uh,
2: us let ramble about still, the da and mad max's leather fetish the runtime is still like three hours <laughs> it's just <laughs> silence <laughs> okay so I think, uh, without further ado, we should get we should get on this. So, who wants to talk about the first Mad Max movie?
1: Fuck that shit! I'm I'm out. Okay, I see. Well, well, have well, a nice life.
2: Chris has officially quit sequel decay because <laughs> one of us mentioned the first Mad Max movie in passing. <laughs> uh, do not question our logic.
1: <laughs> uh, Fuck
2: Yeah, The sequel, the K cannon's getting fucking weird. It really is. It's, it's it's just a convoluted mess. Just
1: it's, wait till they hear what your plans are for the next seven seasons.
2: It's like the it's like the '90s X Men canon. <laughs> uh, okay. Without further ado, Brandon, why don't you lead us into the first Mad Max?
1: Okay. Uh, so Mad Max is about a guy named Max, obviously, who has a wife and child, and he is a, a cop. Uh, and there is, if I remember correctly, uh, a gang of motorcyclists, leather wearing assholes, going around killing a bunch of people. And just try and basically taking whatever they want. And it's up to, it's basically a movie about the cops versus robbers. You learn throughout the film, the different squabbles between uh, the cops and the bad guys and Max's role in uh, taking them down. He becomes known as basically the best cop. And uh, the one with the, I think it's called the interceptor is, uh, is the car
2: name, right? That's the, like the iconic Mad Max yeah,
1: car. The iconic name, right? The, the Mustang with the out of the hood engine and stuff like that um mm-hmm. yeah and so it's about uh their face off and what happens uh i don't want to get into spoilers too much if people won't like, like i know it's an old fucking movie but like I, I hadn't seen this movie until i was starting like wanted to record it for the podcast so yeah, no, I don't know. it's a it's very boring <laughs> it is Good very start. Start. B- very very boring until about the final 20 minutes
2: well, now that we got Brandon's general thoughts out of the way, uh, Chris, what are your general thoughts on the first Mad Max?
1: All right, and he's
0: gone, yeah, Chris. Okay, I'm 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 done with the joke. I'm done with the joke. Okay, good. Can we,
1: <laughs> we can get back on the fucking track here, Chris. Please, for fuck's sake, we have a schedule to keep.
0: <laughs> um, so what do I think of Mad Max? a 1979 film directed by George Miller, who
1: paid most of the extras in beer. He just went to a public beach one day. He's like, all right, everyone, no one move.
0: I'm just imagining George Miller being like, Cut, come over, great work, Paps Blue Ribbon, great, get the fuck out of my sight.
1: Paps Blue Ribbon, <laughs> we only drink Heineken on this set. <laughs> I
2: doubt they drink any Heineken on
1: this yeah, set. I highly doubt Paps that as well.
0: <laughs> I don't think... I don't think the set could even afford fucking Heineken. Ah, oh, shit! We spent all the money on fucking
2: cameras and shit. <laughs> Absolutely, ribbon. <laughs> it only costs like three hundred and fifty to four hundred thousand Australian dollars to make Mad Max. Like that's I don't know what that translates to in American or Canadian, but uh, I know that's a whole out. hell of a lot. Yeah. I'm just gonna say right off the bat, they of
0: course they can't afford fucking Heineken. Because they spent all their fucking money on the boom mic, so it had to eat oh. into the fucking beer budget.
1: <laughs> okay, so four hundred thousand Australian dollars is only three hundred eighty-one thousand eight hundred Canadian dollars. So that's even less uh, American dollars, right? Yeah, two hundred seventy-eight thousand eight hundred dollars.
2: Ooh, that is a uh, that is okay. And in, in that respect, it's kind of
1: that is okay. Dang. To be fair, though, to be fair, that's also today's dollar.
2: Yeah, that's true. I, we'll, 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 save, we'll save the adjusting for inflation for the audience to do. It is impressive that they were able to stretch all that money that that far, I think. But anyway, Chris, what what are your thoughts on, on Mad Max?
0: It's a movie I appreciate more than I like. Like, I I appreciate the way it's directed. I appreciate the way the action scenes are shot. It obviously paves the way for
2: what's to come later on in the franchise. It's not a very good movie. There's a a YouTuber named Jack Saint who I really like who basically described it as Outback Dirty Harry. Yeah. Uh which I think is pretty appropriate. Um I am kind of in both of your guys' camp. Like I was really fucking bored watching this. I well, I, I like- get, but I get I get it. I get why it's no. a classic and I think like it's extremely well directed. The fact that they were able to get that action out of that budget is amazing, like truly. I do not much care for the story. I think it's really badly paced. Uh, I will most likely never watch it again.
1: Uh, yeah, no, I probably won't. It's well, just like, like like we said before, nothing happens. It's it's what an hour and a half long, hour and forty minutes long, something like that. It's, it's an it's hour not and a half long movie. Hour and a half. Okay, so it's like an hour and ten minutes of, and then finally, spoilers. But I don't care because it's a nineteen seventy one movie.
2: 1979
1: sorry my bad the fucking wife and kid dies that is the climax of the film
2: essentially that's i want to say that's kind of the inciting incident unless i guess you count goose dying and it comes with like like half an hour left in the film if that like
1: like honestly like i think 20 minutes i think i timed it actually i think it's like like 1950 or something like that yeah
2: it's a fucking drag before that um i will give a bit more of this movie it's due though like one of its strongest aspects is kind of the world it builds yes uh this is not the first mad max isn't really quite it's necessarily it's post-apocalyptic but it is a world that's like right on the brink of collapse by which i mean it looks like rural alberta uh <laughs> <laughs> like everything is run down there's ghost towns all over the place uh there is still society, there is still the remnants of the state because there is a police force, but they're rapidly losing their grip on even any the police any force, of law and order.
1: Even the police force, like they all they don't even wear like like their uniforms are just leather jackets.
2: Also there's like very little to distinguish like uh what the the police force from like another gang besides like the fact that there is some sort of government oversight. Because they're like, as we see in the first scene, and also to give this movie some more credit, like I think like the the car chases and I'm not somebody who really like cares a lot about cars or car chases in movies in general. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like I've never had any interest in watching one of the Fast and Furious movies. I I don't care about cars in real life. Like it just Mm -hmm. does very little for me. The Bad Max movies are make make it interesting, essentially.
1: Oh yeah. And um, and the good thing is too is that they it only gets better with each
2: movie. Oh yeah. Each one is like the best possible, like relative to its time. And like I think Fury Road is like the culmination of all that, but we'll get to it. Oh yeah. And um, and
1: just going back to your Fast and Furious thing quick, I know me and Chris both love the Fast and Furious movies as like a guilty pleasure. I'd say give yeah. this another shot because they are pretty decent but i I mean okay let's
0: let's let's not let's not say give it a shot as if like the fast and furious movies are
2: like actually good because they're not I we all know that
0: no no they're they're
2: bad the only thing from that i know is from a fast and furious movie that like i really do love is that one scene and i don't know which one but it has the rock uh where he's like in a hospital and he's like what and he has like a cast
1: oh that's the the seventh one. one
2: Seven seven. And he Is that That's uh, seven.
1: Yeah. I thought it was six.
0: I don't. Brandon, care. I'm the one who says these movies are bad, and I know them guys, better than you, guys. Guys, I
2: see him guys, in a while, guys. I assure you both, <laughs> I do not fucking care. <laughs> he like watches TV and sees that his friends are in trouble, and he just like flexes so hard he breaks the cat. <laughs> <laughs> like I love that shit. It's, I just it's the rock don't for you. care. I just don't care about cars, and usually by extension, car chases, but. This movie makes that, I think I think even like the first Mad Max with as many flaws as it has, like has its ways of making it interesting. I think like the first car chase, like at the very beginning with the Knight Rider, I think it goes on too long, but I think uh, yeah. much of everything in this movie goes on too long. But I could listen to the Knight Rider monologues all day. Like this is where you get kind of that like weird Mad Max, like kind of cadence and rhythm to the dialogue. Uh, which carries its way through all the movies, but like there's another there's a line in the movie, w- which I think I, I think it's like the police mechanic who says like she's mean referring to a car, the interceptor. uh she's meanness in the music, and the bitch is born to run. Uh, like that that's some weird shit, but it it's so like kind of lyrically interesting <laughs> almost. I don't really know how how to explain it. And like so you have that kind of Establishment of the world through like the dialogue, but also, I mean, visually, it there's it, it a lot of good, like, kind of visual storytelling. You have a really good idea of like what the world is like. It's not like a, an extreme post apocalypse like you would see in Road Warrior or Thunderdome mm-hmm. or Fury Road. It's just a society that is in rapid, rapid decline.
1: It's just, it's just, it's it, what Mad Max's setting has been it's just a barren wasteland.
2: Yeah, it, it it's only like, a. it still has some semblance of the state or society, but it's only a few steps away from, like, everybody dressing in leather and, like, calling themselves, what's the guy, Lord Humongous?
1: Lord like, humong- it, Humongous. Humongous. Just took the word humongous, took out the H, and made it man instead of humongous. Like, it's all they did. What
2: a king. Yeah, we're only a few steps away from that. Storytelling-wise, it feels like the prelude to Road Warrior. Yeah. Um Story-wise, I do not much care for it. No. Clearly.
1: Also, question. Is Mel Gibson Australian?
2: No. Mel, Gibbs, uh, Mel Gibson is American, I think, but he uh, he's a permanent resident in Australia. Like, he moved to Australia to find work as an actor, I think. He was 12 when he moved to Australia.
1: Okay, so, and, like, uh, the accent he has then isn't... Because it's not awful.
2: No, I it's, think it's it's a fu- it's a fine accent. I think, like, it helps that he, like, he is American, but he yes, grew up in he Australia, grew up in Australia, Australia. the accent like Mel Gibson is fine in the movie. I just don't know that his character doesn't really have anything to do until the last little bit. Yeah, not well, yeah, not exactly. a whole lot. Yeah,
0: this is this is totally random and I'm sorry to go on a tangent, but I'm I'm looking at Mel Gibson's Wikipedia page, too. <laughs> oh, God, I'm I'm looking at the section of his film work, Mad Max series, and I, it says Gibson got his breakthrough role as the leather-clad post-apocalyptic survivor in George Miller's Mad Max, but I thought it said Leather Chad. Because <laughs> I guess I can't read.
2: Mad Max is part of the sub-genre of post-apocalyptic fiction called Leather Chad. <laughs> like, that's going to be an entry on TV Tropes. Whatever is, like, you're going to go to the section for Leather Chad, and it's just, like, a close-up <laughs> on, like, lord humangus <laughs> or something dude, it sounds like a
1: freaking porno section <laughs> it really does hmm, what do i want to watch today oh, i'll go to the leather chad category
0: <laughs> why is it when you why is it when it sounds like you're searching porn you're just like sophisticated like i'm just browsing today line all your pornography on these parallel panels on each page and i shall select which cum shots i'd like to watch today
2: well, I'm sorry I'm more sophisticated in my selection. <laughs> You've got a distinguished taste in scum. <laughs>
1: we are above like, all like, those who just search up porn in the search bar of Google <laughs> and click the first link that happens to be I'm, there. I'm just imagining. I am now porn so h- curious what happens when I'm, I do that. I love how, so I just put in the search. Bar. I didn't even press search yet. I just typed it in porn in the search bar. And the top two results are porn star martini and porn addiction help. <laughs> oh yeah i guess there was a martini called star, and then right? and then pornography and depression <laughs>
0: <laughs> hell yeah oh fuck
2: also a uh, quick note on kind of the world building aspect uh i believe the script is co-written by james McCausland, who is uh an, uh, an australian novelist i think mm-hmm. or a journalist or something But apparently he he's responsible for a lot of the a lot of the dialogue uh, and he drew inspiration of the the world building from the 1973 oil crisis. I, I don't know much about it, but essentially just because of global shit fuckery, I think from probably Saudi Arabia, global oil prices just like kind of went haywire and kind of prompted this weird scenario, which we in Alberta would know nothing of where it's oh, no. is, is just really fucking hard to get and kind of prompts this kind of desperate situation. It's but, a matter
1: how much that actually relates to what's going on right now.
2: Uh, yeah. Uh, In a way. Yeah. It's, uh, it, and I did feel kind of eerie reading that Wikipedia entry. We're all gonna uh, die. I don't know about you guys, but I'm stocking up on assholes chaps. <laughs> uh, Wow, this oh.
1: movie really is so boring. We've talked about porn and now leather assless chaps.
2: This episode of Sequel Decay is brought to you by Vintage Leathers. <laughs> and porn. <laughs> porn. Uh. So I, I, and porn.
0: And I think the problem is, is that, yeah, like we can talk about the technical achievements of the film through its direction and the way that the car chases are shot. We can talk about the world building, which is great and impressive. We can talk about how it paves the way for the next three Mad Max movies, but The problem is, is that other than that, the rest of the film is so fucking bland. And it's obviously it part of it is because it's a product of just exploitation films in the 70s in general, which are generally very slow and generally kind of boring. Like, say what you will about the movie. I think Death Proof is a near flawless encapsulation of what most 70s exploitation films were like. Very much so. I don't think um, I've seen
2: that.
0: It's oh, it's short. fun.
2: It's short. Yeah. La- I really like the ending. If it's like this, then uh... I think Death Proof is better than Mad Max.
0: Yeah, Death Proof is better than Mad Max.
2: Can we please I move on to the Road Warrior? Oh, <laughs> right away. Honestly, like there, yeah, there, like, right away. There, I am done with this movie. There, there is not much to latch onto. Like even not really. the characters are like basically like I don't know if this is just because. I I mean, it's because I've seen this movie like 80 times before, uh, just in other movies. But like the second Mad Max's girlfriend shows up or wife or whatever, uh, I just say, oh, well, she's dead. That's
1: Oh, yeah. yeah. As soon as I saw the wife and the child, I'm like, they're so toast.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And like the villains, like Toe Cutter and his gang, like. I remember I... watching it with
1: Chris and just looking over and be like, they're dead, aren't they? He just like stared straight ahead, didn't say a thing, and I was like, Yep.
0: <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> Here we go. Brandon, tell tell the lovely people what else happened when we watched Mad Max together. I didn't remember, dude. That's
1: how bored I was in the fucking
0: Okay, what did I almost do towards the end of the movie?
1: You're gonna have to remind me, Chris. I almost fell asleep. <laughs> That's right. You're on your phone on Twitter <laughs> because it was <laughs> film Twitter was more interesting for some fucking reason than Mad
2: Max at least, at least film Twitter, Twitter like makes you feel pain. like Mad Max doesn't make you feel anything. It, it's just like I, at the very end, like, I guess some people might have some like weird catharsis about seeing Mad Max murder the gang. but mm. like even the gang itself, like, don't really have much going on for them. Like no. They're not not that well developed.
1: Well in watching this movie, like nowadays, especially knowing who Mel Gibson is and what he has done. Like, you know if you know what I'm talking about. I mean like if you see everyone knows what you're fucking talking about.
2: Just making sure you know. I mean it's not like they were thinking about that in the (laughs) 70s, but yeah, now the optics of Mad Max as a cop fighting a bunch of men, mostly men who wear a lot of leather and makeup, like the Optics of that are certainly not great, but like mm-hmm. it's not like that, that that's what they were thinking of back then so uh I guess George miller before he got into writing Mad Max, he was a medical doctor in Sydney and he uh worked in e r ER where he saw a lot of car injuries um which contributed to his uh developing Mad Max with byron Kennedy. It's kind of ghoulish, but whatever uh and i i mean it's it's it's
0: in fairness it's not as bad as like John Waters openly admitting that he used to be taken to, like, junkyards as a kid to play car accidents. Yeah,
2: that's true. <laughs> I guess that's true. <laughs> um, and also, when Mad Max was released in the States in 1980, a lot of the original Australian dialogue was redubbed by American actors. Oh, boy. Uh like, I think that's stupid, but, like, I get that a lot of Australian slang sounds kind of foreign and weird to understand. I don't think they should have done it either way, but, like, they did shit like replace oi with "hey," And, like, looks becomes see what I see. Windscreen becomes windshield. This, this like, they, they really thought, like, general like, audiences were fucking idiots.
1: Yeah, like, oh, it's a windscreen! What's a
2: windscreen?! <laughs> like... <laughs>
1: Like come on man <laughs> it's it's very clear that you're looking at a windshield and they yeah. just because they have a different culture they just call it something different like it's it's not yeah. hard to grasp
2: <laughs> All right I think I think we're done with uh, Mad Max yes. uh quick Let's- quick final recommendations Brandon you first Uh uh uh-huh. Chris you're
0: next <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'm will I'll going to give a real recommendation like an adult, unlike
1: my stupid childish co-host. <laughs> Thank you.
0: You're welcome. That's what I felt
1: like watching this fucking boring ass movie.
0: I'm going to go middle of the road. Um, if this yep. were my personal recommendation, I, I don't really like this movie. I don't really like going back to rewatch it. I watch it every five years.
1: Well, it's like you were saying earlier, Chris, right? Like There's the four movies. So you don't have to watch them in any order.
0: No, no. And I said this to you guys in private, too. It doesn't really it's kind of like the Mission Impossible movies, kind of. Brandon, and I thought about this yesterday, but it's kind of like the Mission Impossible movies. I really emphasize kind of so I don't want to start a fight on the show, Brandon, (laughs) where you can you can more or less watch them in any order. It doesn't really matter. And you're still going to basically get the gist of what's going on. Yeah. So in the sense of you don't really need to watch the first Mad Max movie to kind of no. get the rest. No, I don't recommend it. Um, because it's, it's boring. Nothing really happens until the last 20 minutes. When things do happen in the last 20 minutes, they're kind of cliched and dumb. Like they're fun, but it's, it's cliched and stupid. Um, the only, the only time I'd really like recommend it is to kind of get an idea of, You know what you can kind of accomplish on a meager budget like they had with the limited with the limited capacities that they had, because they like they didn't even have permits to shut down the roads. They were like they were this was like practically guerrilla filmmaking, according to George Miller. I mean, things got a little easier as time went on, because I guess the police started getting interested in what they were doing. Yeah.
1: Um Well, yeah, but, I mean, they're going at exceptional speeds on public highways and stuff like that, right? So, I was, yeah, I would assume.
0: Yeah, so it, it got a little easier <laughs> as time went on. But yeah, like, I mean, to kind of like it would be kind of like watching like early Robert Rodriguez stuff and kind of going like, here's what you can accomplish with such limited. Yeah, with such a limited budget, with such limited circumstances mm-hmm. and what you can accomplish creatively. I I think in that respect alone, it's worth watching. It's worth checking out. But yeah, other than that, I, yeah, like this would be something I'd recommend to like film school kids before I recommend to like literally anybody else.
2: Yeah. I I would, I would only really recommend Mad Max like, yeah, for film school kids. And also if you want to say you've seen it because yeah, like, yeah, the action is really great. Uh, it sets the foundation for the other Mad Max movies. You really don't need to watch it. If you no. just, if you want to watch the, if you just want to watch the Mad Max movies, like this is not going to leave much of an impression except on a technical aspect. I I don't see myself rewatching it. I don't, I don't know. Like it, I, I get, it's like one of those things where like, I get it and I appreciate yeah. it for what it is. And I think what it did with its budget is incredible, but I yeah. don't, I don't like it, so I think yeah. I, I'm, I'm gonna do a soft. Don't recommend.
1: I'm gonna actually. I'm gonna have to agree with Stefan there. Yeah. Uh, just cause yeah, I'm I'm probably never gonna watch this movie ever again.
2: Yeah. Um, but that not, does... not bring- intentionally anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah you're just gonna go to like a party where and they're like yeah come in we have mad max on it's like what the fuck are you talking
1: no about? no because what else i'll be like oh yeah we have fury road on cool they're like no 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 we have the first mad max we are like just like already down the hallway and around the corner bye i have other things i need to do
2: any, literally anything else <laughs> but anyway that brings us to 1981's mad max to Two, the Road Warrior. Who wants to lead us into Road Warrior? Stefan, how about you? All right. So
1: Chris is saving himself for fucking Fury Road. I can hear it. Look, you see that? You hear that snicker? Aha! Hold it! <laughs> I fucking knew it.
2: Bad Max Two, which was released as just the Road Warrior in the United States for some reason, is was released in 1981. Uh, it has, it's also directed by George Miller, basically the same creative core of George Miller and Byron Kennedy from what it looks like. Mm-hmm. Uh, it stars jo- Mel Gibson once again, except this time, uh, the world, it has truly gone to shit. It is the, this is the Mad Max wasteland that we know and love. I and, think,
1: uh, I think this was actually the start of like the narration before, like, at the beatings, right? And the ends, right? Oh Yeah. Because in the in the second, third, and fourth not maybe not the sorry, not the fourth film, but the second and third films for sure have narration at the beginning and the ends.
2: The fir- the fourth one has the fourth narration one does. at the very beginning. At the yeah. be- I don't know. I don't think it has any at the end, but he's like, there's nothing there's nothing at the end. end. There's something oh, at the right. end. Oh that's right. That's right. That's yeah, right. Because he has like, I am Max. My world is fire and blood. Uh not, an not bad. <laughs> really?
0: That wasn't that bad. No. Oh really. it was it was, right, right. was kinda of bad at first, and then it got actually significantly better for a second. Oh, well,
1: I'll. I'll, I'll that was I'm a real backhanded compliment right there, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> I don't,
2: I don't, well, I'm going to, regardless, I'm going to wear it for a while. Uh, <laughs> anyway, Max, who is like family dead, uh, is now just roaming the Australian wasteland uh, with his dog in the, in, in the interceptor, uh, just cruising around, being his self-interested self interested self. And uh, until he comes across a uh community of settlers who are trying to defend themselves against a roving band of marauders and uh at first out of self-interest and later as he develops a heart, he helps the uh settlers kind of fight back against this band of marauders who's led by uh i do we said we just said his name the humongous uh, H- uh H- H- humongous humongous. That might be the accent because it's spelled out as humongous on the on the is it on the in the Wikipedia profile. But yeah, him and his band of um, essentially leather clad freaks. Uh, and I do this is like I know I know that's kind of how I described Toe Cutters Gang in the first movie. But this kind of takes like that aesthetic to its logical conclusion. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, except for Fury Road. This is the most kind of extreme looking bad guys in any Mad Max movie, I would say. Yeah. Well maybe Thunder yeah. but uh, uh I don't know. I don't know. Thunderdome was pretty weird design wise.
1: Oh, I can't uh, wait to talk about Thunderdome.
2: But anyway, general thoughts. Chris, what do you think of Road Warrior? Um I loved it.
1: Just beaming with sunshine today, Chris. <laughs> Anything else? <Let> me- <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: You asked me what I thought of the movie. I loved it.
2: <laughs> I mean, that's technically an answer. Brandon, what do you think of Road Warrior? I enjoyed it way
1: more than the first one. Yeah. By, uh, by a long shot. It actually has a coherent, interesting plot. Mm-hmm. Uh has some nice action sequences. You get sort of connected to some of the characters rather than in Mad Max where you don't really get connected to anybody. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I, I really enjoyed it.
2: Yeah, uh I love Road Warrior. This is my second favorite Mad Max movie. Yes. Uh it's it, it is kind of like when Mad Max like comes into its own.
1: Yeah, it really I, sets I, the stage for the next two movies.
2: Apparently, if I'm right, if I if I read right, like this is kind of what George Miller would have wanted to do with the first Mad Max, like on a bigger budget. Uh and and this does have a bigger budget. It's like four and a half million Australian dollars. Oh,
1: well, yeah. Like, you, can, you, you can tell that just from the explosion.
2: Yeah, it, it's it's quite a bit more. Um, another kind of interesting thing about it, and Chris, you might be able to attest to this, is like it feels a lot. It felt a lot to me like a Western, like a almost like a spaghetti mm. Western, obviously with a lot more leather. But <sighs> when I was watching Road Warrior, like I kept like getting these kind of vibes of like, oh, this is just like a man with no name movie. This is uh I don't know the good the bad and the ugly because it does have kind of like the the anti-hero, self-interested anti-hero who has to like essentially reluctantly fight to defend a community against this essentially these black uh, black hats or black assless chaps in this case. Well, and it's it's not even just
0: westerns and spaghetti westerns, it's also old Japanese samurai movies cuz Oh yeah. that's where a lot of westerns took inspiration from the yeah. obvious one of course being like The Magnificent 7 obviously being a remake of Seven Samurai but Right. But right. yeah, like no, like you're you're absolutely right. Like Matt like The Road Warrior especially definitely has that feeling of like the old spaghetti westerns that like Sergio Leone put out in the in the 60s and 70s and you know to an extent also like films like Seven Samurai. If if only Kurosawa had the foresight to see that if he dressed his bandits up in leather assless chaps and bdsm gear then maybe seven
2: samurai would have been a hit in the united states Mm. i'd watch that movie i'm pretty sure that exact anime exists so we probably don't actually have to look that hard i'm pretty Um, sure we could just go on pornhub (laughs) or pornhub pornhub crunchyroll basically the (laughs) same thing and like kind of going back to the idea of like this kind of being when Matt, what Matt, what George Miller had would have wanted to make with a bigger budget, like this does really feel like, and maybe it's just like recency bias because I think Road Warrior has a much bigger like cultural imprint than the first Mad Max, uh. But this does feel like what it should have been, like you you kind of have like a prelude to Fury Road and like there is like that convoy of people that needs to that needs to be defended uh like mm-hmm. uh, like the the villains they like like we mentioned before they are the the post apocalyptic of uh, mad max villains that we associate <laughs> with the franchise and like at one point they say guzzoline instead of gasoline like all the hallmarks are there uh, oh yeah it's Most importantly, though, it fucking rules. It rules so hard. It is it's about, I think, the same length as the first movie. But the difference is that it's um, shit's happening in it and it just keeps it just clips along at a at a good pace. Like it's not a story that you can't really see the beats coming like it's it's got it's got beats you've seen before but it's entertaining enough and compelling enough that like you, it does, it shouldn't bother you at all. No. It's, um, it, I I
0: think what I find really impressive as a whole with this franchise is that these movies each get gradually longer as they go along. Like road warrior Thunderdome and fury road are each at least 15 minutes longer than the next. And yet the pacing is still so incredible.
2: Fury road is like the longest and it feels like it's also the best paced. Yeah. It, It goes by so fast. George Miller, I think, has like the perfect, at this point anyway, maybe not so much with the first movie, but at this point, he has like the perfect kind of. He's mastered the balance of like incorporating kind of this heart pounding action in his movies while at the same time, like making it so that you don't get exhausted and you don't feel like anything is dragging, but you're also like, you know, there's always something happening and there's always something to be interested in without getting overstimulated. Yeah. Uh, but beyond just like the villains though like i think like much like the first movie this ha- this has some like really good environmental storytelling like you kind of see that you know that they're unlike the first movie where there is kind of some semblance of a of a state it's mostly redu- people re- either living as atomized marauders or in these colonies that are basically left foraging amongst the remains of the old world
1: yeah exactly like going to where there's old places of oil rigs basically and using that for power and stuff one thing i didn't see a lot of in this movie was water yeah it made me me kind of curious of like how are these guys getting water and stuff like that that was something i was kind of curious about but i don't know it doesn't really hinder the story or anything like that
2: oh no 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 um i think like what water I, i i don't i don't remember what this movie necessarily has to say about the water. I I know Fury Road has a lot more to say about that, but uh, there's like the first movie. There's a lot of even more emphasis on gasoline or guzzoline or whatever they call it Mm -hmm. uh, where like that has become like the prime resource, like even Mm -hmm. more than water. Like it's mentioned more than, I don't think the word water is mentioned once in the whole movie, especially I feel with like the second, third and fourth movies. Mad Max has always kind of commented on environmental collapse and scarce and scarcity of resources Mm -hmm. uh more so than the first one but i kind of along with the third and fourth mad max movies road warrior kind of has a lot of elements of both environmental collapse and scarcity of resources especially especially in road warrior and fury road like actually thunderdome too but like whoever controls a certain resource has the power essentially yeah uh even in Road Warrior where Humongous's gang is this kind of imposing force, at the end they're the ones kind of trailing after the, the settlers because the settlers have access to uh the gasoline, uh the uh, the oil. I, I don't you don't need me to tell you that social commentary because like anybody with a functioning brain can tell you that social commentary. Hashtag get po- my get politics out of my Mad Max. Uh <laughs> How how dare how dare Mad
0: Max compare capitalism to the apocalypse? That's simply not true.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> you mean to tell me that if we end up in the apocalypse these massive oil corporations are going to take over everything if unless we s- stop the evils of capitalism and maybe try distributing the wealth amongst the working class? What the fuck are you talking about? W- what's up with all these women in my Mad Max movie? I know, right? Like it's just it's just pro Hillary propaganda so that we can vote for her in the election. I wish Hillary was like a quarter as cool
1: as Furiosa. I wish anybody was a quarter as cool as Furiosa, man.
0: I wish Hillary Clinton was about a twentieth as cool as Furiosa.
1: Let's go back to my favorite character of 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 the Road Warrior, which is the kid with the
2: fucking boomerang. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. there's a kid. The, That's a kid. There's a kid with a metal. boomerang with maybe the most Australian haircut possible.
1: <laughs> you fa- I think also you find out later he's actually the one narrating at the end and, and the beginning, too. He's it's like he's yeah. telling his uh his story to his kids or whatever. That's kind of fucking hilarious. It's so funny.
2: I think we need it's safe to say that we need to come together after watching Road Warrior and start the hashtag normalize boomerangs. Dude, uh, he fucking beheaded somebody with it. Oh, that was gross like that was see. so gruesome and awesome
1: and i loved it like,
2: yeah it like that's cool great. you see the boomerang and there's like bits of blood and brain on it. it's like ew it's so cool
1: <laughs> i also <laughs> love when like he's like he's checking out the flying machine of the other character and he's like testing the freaking rotor like the one of the spinning blades to see like oh huh, this could be a good boomerang
2: Oh yeah, there's um <laughs> there's a, a pilot uh played by the Gyro Captain is how he's credited. I yes. uh, played by Bruce Spence, who also comes back in uh Thunder the third Madden. film. Yeah. I, I thought I a, recognized yeah, him. Yeah, different character. Yeah. Uh this the Bad Max movies like reuse a lot of actors in different roles. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, Hugh keys Burns, who was toe cutter in the first one comes back as uh and martin Joe in Fury Road, but I digress. Yeah. Um the Gyro Captain is uh Wacky as fuck. Uh, Uh Weird looking, lanky guy who snake tamer. Like looks wise, I mean, he
0: kind of reminds me of Professor Frank from The Simpsons.
2: Yeah, Uh, yeah, yes. You're totally right. Uh, Like, what if Professor What if Professor Frank was like homeless, living in a wasteland, and had the most disgusting British teeth ever? So the existence of like Max and the Gyro Captain kind of shows that in this, you know, phenomenally cruel world of Road Warrior, like people are kind of forced to look after their own interests before anybody else's, essentially. Like at the detriment of everybody else's. Yeah.
1: Killer be killed. Uh,
2: Killer be killed. Exactly. But I think um what kind of becomes like the thematic core of not only Road Warrior, but also uh, to an extent thunder thunderdome and definitely fury road is kind of this me- this overarching message of solidarity and the fact that if people come together and help each other out they really can survive like even the worst possible situations
1: yeah it's it's like uh, it's a belief in humanity right yeah. it's, it's it's having faith in your fellow man which in a world that's run by self selfishness and me 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 is very hard to achieve
2: yeah exactly like a lot of post-apocalyptic fiction like kind of tends to be very nihilistic and cynical about humans in general like oh once like the the mist is a good example where like as soon as society like kind of leaves uh everybody just turns into like a a monster uh walking dead kind of has a lot of the same stuff too and i think that's like generally like that's a really miserable message and kind of boring in my opinion but i i think in the case of the mist it works out really well oh i'm not i'm not really dissing the mist i'm more so talking about general mentality
0: no the general mentality kind of sucks but like i think in something like the mist it works really well it doesn't work in the walking dead because you know they kind of drop the theme after season one
2: yeah and also like if that's the only message like you, you're that's coming across like for me personally, that's not very compelling. Like no. the the, the message, like humans are awful. It's like okay, cool, but like <laughs> say if you're not saying something worthwhile on top of that, then all your all you're creating is really kind of misery porn. Yeah. I think I think there is this, despite how fucking batshit insane and violent and dark a lot of Mad Max is. I think like overall, aside from the first movie, which actually is kind of fucking bleak. It is kind. They they are these kind of like kind of optimistic movies, even in the face of this bizarre, bizarre wasteland that the characters live in. Yeah, like there there is hope for change. However, scarce it may be, there is hope. I highly recommend Road Warrior. Like we've like we've been talking about, like it it, it kind of if you're at, at into action fans at all, I think it's kind of a it's kind of a must. Mm-hmm. Uh, it what for 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 its time and for the budget that it has, like it's absolutely phenomenal in terms yes. of its scope and its action. And it's a classic uh, really. Yeah. And, and it's world building. Like it basically set the standard for uh, kind of this kind of weirdo post apop post a pop post apocalyptic fiction, like you, that you can see in stuff like fallout and borderlands. Yeah. It's, it's an absolute blast. Um, there's a cute dog in it. Yeah. Dog dies, but there's a cute dog in it. Uh, oh, yeah. I forgot yeah. about that. So that's a notch against it, I guess. But it's the only notch against it. Chris, yeah.
0: final recommendation. Um, as as Stefan kind of mentioned, because I, I feel like a lot of the points he brought up were things I wanted to bring up as well. Yeah. Um. This is, well, one, it, it's essential action cinema. Like, if, if you haven't seen this yet, it's kind of like Die Hard. If you haven't seen it, you need to watch it. Yeah, exactly like this is a fucking must
1: um and honestly i feel like people could skip even the first movie and just go straight to this one.
0: Oh well and and that's what we kind of said before yeah absolutely like you don't need to watch the first one to get what's going on in the road warrior
1: uh i agree with chris i very much enjoyed this movie uh i would definitely recommend it i would Prefer, I would say, yeah, watch this one over the first movie. If you're going to start, like, watching the Mad Max movies, you can just skip the first one entirely uh, and start with this one, because this one is really the es- the essence of Mad Max.
2: Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I think we're done talking about Road Warrior.
1: Yeah. We're um, going to take a quick we're, break.
2: We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be back after this message <laughs> from this episode's sponsor. That was a long-ass ad break, wasn't it? <laughs>
1: <laughs> First sure Stefan.
2: So uh do we do we wanna go uh behind the curtain a little bit or or uh No that's this that's part of the course for us, so why the yeah. hell not? I mean why stop now? So <laughs> today we're recording on August sixth, uh twenty twenty. Mark the date, folks. Now yesterday save the date. Save it, save it. Yep. Mark it, save it. Yesterday we started recording this podcast on August fifth, twenty twenty. It's so it's been about 24 hours. So, what happened was we got we kind of fought Discord's technical problems all the way to the end of our talking about Road Warrior and then decided, fuck it, we're all all, our sanity is at the end of its rope. We're going to take a break and come back tomorrow. Now, students of the sequel to K canon may recall something like this happening almost a year ago. With our mask episode, so I'm starting to think this is just kind of a time being it's like, a flat circle,
1: just a yearly like endeavor. Where it's like you know what, it's that time of year, time to have
2: some really <laughs> shitty recording quality. God's just like, you know what, it's that time of year. I'm gonna fuck with some Canadian podcasters. Pretty much. God just oh, has oh, really specific niche interests. I, you know what, to be honest with you, I can see it. Yeah. I mean, it's, he's been alive for eternity. He's bound to have developed some weird habits like, at this point. Like, I bet you he was done with, like, a BDSM session or whatever with Satan, and then he saw us talking about Mad Max, assumed we were king shaming him, and so he just spited us. I mean, we did talk, uh, talk a lot of shit about people who dress mostly in leather.
0: Yeah. Because so. it's not the 80s anymore.
2: Exactly. Show some variety and then like have maybe have like a leather jacket in your closet for when you want to for when you want to look punk in an Instagram shoot and then never <laughs> wear it again.
0: By the way, Stefan, did you
2: tell, speaking of Instagram, the public are great news? Uh, no, I did not. But why don't, why don't you go ahead and tell them, Chris? God. Ladies and gentlemen, we're on Instagram. My only message right now is follow us on Instagram. We're posting clips and links to the episodes there. Yeah. um but i don't know We'll we'll think of other stuff to do with it at some point but right now that's what it is but follow us there anyway yeah. um i believe it's probably at like at sequel decay right yeah um yeah
0: next time to- next time we end up going to a protest the three of us will be sure to take some selfies and get our influencer shots going
2: we're just going to like um, show up at a protest, stand at the very outskirts of a ledge, take photos and then like a half ass selfie and leave <laughs> it's like, wow, happy to be part of a movement as like a bunch of actual protesters just giving us like the dirtiest fucking looks in the background. <laughs> it's just sad like, that that's actually the culture we live in right now.
0: <laughs> no, that is the culture we live in right now. It's fucking disturbing.
2: It was distru- awful. It was disturbing how many people like just post pictures of them on social media of like hugging cops at protests like oh boy your mind is gone (laughs) wow what is cognitive dissonance terminal brain rot so (laughs) yesterday or i guess today as if you're listening to the actual episode uh we talked about the first mad max which uh yeah well we didn't care for no we did not and then road warrior which is incredible which is awesome yeah Chris, you can uh, talk about the next film in the Mad Max franchise, Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome. Oh,
1: boy. Um, I love how the Thunderdome has like 10 minutes of time and that's it.
0: Well, yeah, because they go beyond Thunderdome. Uh Aha. Aha. He's a (laughs) stupid boy. So Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome came out in 1985. Um, Once again, this was directed by George Miller. However, he only co-directed it. With um, George Ogilvy. So, the reason why George Miller was a co director on this, or at least like the speculation behind it, is because he lost interest in the project when Byron Kennedy was killed in the helicopter crash in the middle of like them location scouting. So, Mm -hmm. generally, the way that it seems like production wise, George Miller only really did the action scenes and Ogilvy did the rest of it.
2: That would explain some of the. At least, in my opinion, some of the tone, the, some of the tonal shifts. Oh yeah,
0: like it definitely explains but, the tonal shifts.
2: Yeah, between not only within this movie, but with this compared to the previous two movies. Okay. Mel fucking Gibson is back, baby! Hooray! <laughs> and once again, he doesn't say anything anti-Semitic until 2006. It was a simpler time <laughs> when we all thought Mel Gibson was kind of cool. Back when he didn't
0: send aggressive voicemails to wom- women. He's um, just a
1: real piece of shit, isn't he? Yeah, kind of. He's a real piece of work.
0: This is this is totally off topic, but I still haven't fucking watched Apocalypto yet because I don't feel comfortable watching
2: it. I have. It's mostly good. I feel like now there's just like a like
1: there wasn't like t- t- like ten years ago, back when we were like kids. Now there's like just like a list, like a black list of actors who are just the worst people.
2: Yeah, I don't know if Mel Gibson Mel Gibson, Mel Gibson is really ba- blacklisted anymore because he doesn't really work No, as he's much, not much, but he's still like he's still like directed Hacksaw Ridge. He also
1: was uh in Daddy's Home 2. Oh yeah, right. Because you no, know, that stellar, movie is important. Stellar stuff.
0: <laughs> oh yes, the, the the pinnacle of cinema, Daddy's Home 2. Mel fucking Gibson is back. Mm-hmm. As the titular Mad Max. And essentially what happened is he winds up in this place called Barter Town, and after he's basically sold into slave labor, he tries to fight his way out of slave labor in the Thunderdome, and immediately is exiled into the desert once again by Tina Turner's auntie entity, to where he is now placed in the titular Beyond Thunderdome. From there, he meets some fucking children.
1: This movie is like, like, I was telling this to you yesterday, it's very serious for like the first half. And then it gets very, very weird.
0: It feels like a Mad Max movie for about 45
1: minutes. Yes. Yeah. It, 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 It takes an entire, entire like tonal shift.
0: It feels like this weird fucking combination between the Road Warrior and Hook. Mm, yeah, mm-hmm. That's a
2: great way to put that's a it. Gr- that's a very good um,
1: analogy.
0: Merci beaucoup, mademoiselle. But <laughs> I am a man of culture. Damn it! That was <laughs> a basic French greeting. Culture. <laughs> no, 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 no. Butchers. Basic French greeting.
1: Culture. <laughs> also, the the way those kids speak, it was it's
2: it's me- agonizingly hard <laughs> to comprehend. <laughs> I mean that's just typical Mad Max. Though. It's like, just like Australian accents and kinda all over the place. Not
1: even that. It's yeah, it's, it's not there. even it's not the accents I had a problem understanding. It's it's just they decided to make this, they just they dumbed down the English language more than it needed to be. I mean, that's also just Mad Max.
2: Yeah. I don't know. Like they talked like that all the time in Fury Road and Road Warrior. Yeah,
0: like it seemed yeah, like for me it it didn't seem any different from those. Like it felt like Mad Max dialogue.
1: It um, funny? Like not. the entire time he's leading the kids back, right? He's just saying, "No, come back. Let's keep the school back." Like the entire time, until all of a sudden they're in the grate or in the in the sewer pipe thing, and he's like, right, "You know what? Fuck it."
2: Brandon, why you why don't you tell us what you thought about Thunderdome?
1: I I don't know. Remember texting you guys earlier, like halfway through, it thinking, "You know what? This is not bad. I'm enjoying this because I was at the point where they're actually Blaster and uh, and Max are fighting in the in the dome." Yeah, mm-hmm. and that is a great part of the movie. That is very fun. And a little bit ridiculous, but still fun because they're on tightrope or not tightrope, sorry, bungee cord things. Mm-hmm. And then he gets, and then you know, shortly after that, he gets kicked into and a bunch of kids. And then as soon as I don't know, as soon as the kids showed up and started doing their like him esque chanting for this guy named Captain Walker, and and all that kind of shit, and oh god, it just it got really really weird. Like you said, hook style
2: the the thing that people always remember about this movie is the Thunderdome itself. Yes. Yeah. Like, you know, two men at two men enter one man leaves uh, that kind of thing. So that's kind of what I was expecting going in. And then it wasn't until after that, I saw the title beyond Thunderdome and thought, wow, I'm a fucking idiot. <laughs> uh, And so I, I'm kind of in the same camp of Brandon. Like, I don't know how I felt about it overall. Like, I think I mostly liked it. Yeah. It's, it's if you can't really go in expecting Road Warrior because no. it ends up being very different, but it's for its own like little kind of goofy story in the Mad Max canon. Like I enjoyed it more than the first one, absolutely.
1: Oh yeah. Well, here, the thing is though, man, is that like the Road like the reason like Road Warrior is so Road Warrior is so good because they had like driving action sequences and the basic general plot. This one was a little bit all over the place. Had yeah. no driving whatsoever apart from like the first ten minutes maybe. I don't know. It's just like I didn't hate it, but I definitely mm. wouldn't say I would watch it again.
2: Yeah, I'm, I I think I'm kind of in the same boat. Um, But Chris, what did you think about Thunderdome?
0: Uh, wow, I'm the most positive of you three. Hell yeah. OK. <laughs> um, <laughs> enjoy when that happens. So, yeah, I, I generally kind of have a soft spot for these kind of films that are like very all over the place and kind of sweet and really goofy and extremely over the top and kind of fucking insane. I really like it. It's like, it's not, it's not Road Warrior good. It's not Fury Road good. It's so much better than Mad Max 79, but that's not saying much. Like, for what it is, and I said this before when we were talking privately, like, this movie is absolutely a product of its time and its
1: director. The Byron Kennedy who died Mm-hmm. Was it at the beginning of filming or like mid filming?
0: It was in the middle of location like, scouting.
1: Okay. So, so they, they, had any, much they much haven't much even shot anything yet. Okay. They haven't even shot anything Because from, from when I was watching it, because I noticed at the end of the film, they have that for Byron, uh, they'll send off, you know, and they have yeah. like, the, the, the children and the lights in the city. And, you know, it's kind of like a positive message of coming home. Right. And yeah. I thought it was very sweet. A little bit, of, you know, not, not at all a part of the theme from the first half of the movie, but mm-hmm. I still thought it was nice. But I was wondering because it made that tonal shift halfway through. If like he had died halfway through the filming, and like they decided because of that they were going to change the tone.
0: No, um, no. Basically, George Miller kind of dropped it and just only really did the action scenes. And um, our other George did the rest. Okay. There's there's two other things that are really interesting about this movie that I think we should bring up. Okay. And the first one will probably definitely explain a lot of the tonal shit. And that would be that this was never supposed to be a Mad Max movie in the first place.
1: Yeah, I, ca- I kind of got a whole lot. Of stuff. I kind of got that. Yeah. Um,
0: apparently, someone came to George Miller with the idea like, what if Max just found these kids in the desert? Because it was just supposed to be about the kids in the desert. And then this just kind of became a Mad Max sequel in the way that the Cloverfield Paradox just became a Cloverfield. movie. Right remember that piece of shit nope because i didn't watch it <laughs> oh i did i remember it came out that's right a, the super that's the bowl. series
1: that's the series right that like no no it's a movie it's a movie
0: it's on oh. netflix so wow. they yeah like they dropped it on netflix like right after the super bowl and i remembered i got my internet set up that night so i was like oh fuck yeah cloverfield paradox so i was like this is shit <laughs>
1: yeah i heard it was really bad
0: it
2: actually made me hate 10 cloverfield lane a little bit <laughs> <laughs> so I think on the on the topic of those tonal tonal shifts like did the lighter tone like because it is a lighter tone that yes. it defaults to like the second he meets those younger kids as soon so, yeah, as he does and it stays in at like their camp for like 30 years uh did, did they like that lighter tone like work for you guys or like because it, it is I guess it like is endearing in a goofy way, but like it, I think it doesn't help that I, I feel that like that part of the movie is paced, like it kind of slows to a crawl. You
1: know what I think actually would have made it a little bit more interesting because you know how the kids had the whole Captain Walker thing and he and his like group of crewmates or whatever, like, like 10 people went out and tried to discover things. And and like the movie just basically explains that they, they just died in the desert. Right, Mm -hmm. I think it would have been a lot cooler if they were like if Captain Walker or one of his one of his like first mates, whatever it was, was running Bartertown or in some way a part of the management of Bartertown, and then they had to realize that Captain Walker wasn't a hero in at all, and that he had they had to like take over his stuff from him. I think that would have been a lot better.
2: Like they, I think they could have done even if not necessarily that, like something similar to that, just to kind of tie the movie together thematically, because as of right now, like. Like we mentioned before, it is really all over the place, which isn't necessarily the biggest negative, but like it does kind of it does kind of like throw you for a loop for for a bit. And uh, I I don't know it. it, For me, like that's the part where I think it's like easiest to tune out. And I I that's kind of what. Because I think the the society of Barter Town right at the beginning and like the first act is the most interesting part. Yeah. And I. I wish we had gotten a little more time there and a little more time with Tina Turner. Yeah. Uh, just yeah. also Tina Turner's in this movie. Yes. Uh, before, um, before like going off and doing the lost boys. Uh, so I I guess you could say it's a negative or kind of disappointing. Like, I'm not going to say it ruined the movie for me or anything, but it, no. it, it is, you know, it it's, it's like, we keep saying in our group chat, it's just a weird little movie.
1: Well, yeah. Like I, I yeah. I'm like when I watch movies, I, I'm I'm always looking for like, i'm like i like i like it when everything connects right and so when you get a movie like this that just just doesn't all the way it 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 kind of it puts me off of it like like i was saying yesterday like i i'm a little bit nitpicky with the whole with some of the things like the kids the kids who were left behind because it, originally it was just it was just max and those two people who went out to look for the other kids who had run away and then you never see the people who left the kids who left behind ever again for the rest of the movie like that kind of stuff those loose ends of things that bothers me but that might just be like a personal issue
0: yeah like the loose ends kind of bother me too and like this movie is a fucking mess yeah it is nobody's denying that i think it's just whether
2: or not you're willing to give into that endearing charm or not because like even like the the quote-unquote serious parts of the movie like the first act they do kind of have like a goofy edge to it yeah like yeah I, i i think i think of like the scene in the thunderdome where like the guys explaining the rules of the Thunderdome and there's like two girls like Vanna Whiting and yeah. hands on a giant fucking mallet yeah
1: like Harley like Quinn that, kind that, of shit yeah
2: <laughs> yeah that, that shit's hilarious to me but um even like the concept of like a more kid friendly Mad Max like it's not inherently like a deal breaker for me no, no. of course not uh, they, they did bend the stick really far though well I yes. just yeah like I just
1: I think people went into this like when it first came out I'm because I'm assuming it wasn't received very well like uh, I mean, they, it was received okay okay yeah that's that, yeah. my point though like, like that's what it is right people went to this movie expecting another road warrior right oh yeah and then this mm-hmm. and then you get the, the opposite of road warrior which is barely any like i guess i was a bit wrong earlier there is some driving at towards the end in like the plane and stuff like that but that's about mm-hmm. it yeah uh and yeah, it, 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 it took away from that 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 kind of actiony part like yeah you have the the breakout with the kids but that it's very choppy in my opinion i thought the scenes and didn't oh, yeah. really explain what was going on until all, all of a sudden they moved the entire building and I, kind of, I was just like <laughs> what the fuck's happening
2: what i will give this movie though and like what i also gave the first two movies is that it, it like it looks incredible yes. like it has a lot of great environmental storytelling like, i think i think barter town is one of the most interesting things in the in the mad max movies just because like Clearly, you see that society. There, there are kind of societies being formed, and here we have this like kind of slave state. I think being formed, like, oh, it's kind of like we're re, we're restarting. I guess the the stages of development. Okay, this is kind of interesting. Yeah. Um. And, but mind you, everybody there is still dressed like the bad guys from Road Warrior, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. And then they ha- and then again, you have like a lot of. The concept of uh, natural resources being stockpiled and used as a bartering chip or for power. What with, um, I believe, uh, Bartertown has methane as its primary. What
1: uh, my resource. my favorite line from the movie: "Methane cometh from pig shit."
2: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> the best line of that movie. If if I'm remembering the movie right, because it's been a few weeks since we watched it, Tina Turner basically like uses the methane at to enforce her grip over the population of Bartertown.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, because it's what provides all the power.
2: Yeah, kind kind of like what what we see in Fury Road, but with water. Yes. Um. Uh, but it isn't explored as much here, just because we don't spend as much time in Martin Bartertown. Uh. But I I think that still the aspect of like visual storytelling, like even with like the 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 kids in the the kids of the woods is there to some extent but i i just think that barter town is more interesting
1: yeah um yeah well i was kind of upset when they kind of took it away from there i was really interested in that place
2: yeah it's yeah because it's like there for the first act and then like just doesn't appear until the third act like it was very it was very strange and like in again in retrospect the title beyond thunderdome is a really big hint there yeah uh (laughs) Uh, so I, I can't really be mad at the movie for not living up to my expectations because it's it's there in the title. But I th- I think it really just is that like I didn't know much about this movie going in. This is the first time watching it, and I kind of got thrown for a loop.
1: I just re- uh, I just realized that in this movie, Mel Gibson punches a young girl in the face.
0: How much acting oh, did he movie? have to do? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> that's so awful i think chris and i both have made the exact same joke sure. just phrased differently. different <laughs> i have a question actually was this before or after braveheart this was before because braveheart was 95 okay yeah it was well before then what was mel gibson's big breakthrough to uh american audiences because i think mad max at that point this point had more of like a cult appeal right
0: um i would say lethal weapon
2: That'll do it. That'll do it. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Him yeah. And, da- him and Danny Glover,
2: yeah. All
0: right. So, the other reason why this movie is kind of bizarre, especially for a Mad Max movie, is it is the first and only Mad Max film to be PG-13.
2: That makes a whole lot of sense.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um it it shows in the atmosphere especially,
1: it especially like shows feels- in the second half.
0: Yeah, like this this feels like it was this clearly feels like it was originally kind of made for kids. Which is incredibly fucking ironic because I had an old Blu-ray of this like back when, it, back when they put it out on Blu-ray in 2013 and it's got the US rating on the back and the Canadian rating on the back. And mm. I'm going to send you guys this so you have proof, but it's rated 18A <laughs> here. Oh wow, really? What? Yeah. Why? And I just sent you guys the pics.
1: I see that.
2: Why? That is... because
1: <laughs> It makes no That's sense. Weird.
2: Because Canadian ratings are generally more lenient than American ones. Oh, it's like Mad Max is only 14.
0: Oh, sorry. Fury Road's only 14A here.
2: Yeah. So an 18, 18, a for like, is there, are there, movies? I feel
1: like, I feel like there like, should, there should be like a switch. Like 18A should go to Fury Road and 14A should go to fucking,
2: I, Under- I don't even
0: think, I don't think any of them should be 18A because I think the first Mad Max movie, I think it's the first one. If it's not road warrior is actually like rated R here and our, our R is the equivalent of like the U.S. is NC-17. Except like, you know, in Canada, we don't like discourage movie theaters from playing R-rated movies. Yeah. Yeah. Like it feel yeah, like it's kind of bizarre. Like just that's a random tidbit of knowledge. I remember is like, why is this 18A when it's like the tamest fucking thing on the planet and I would absolutely show this to my children?
2: yeah it's that's really I, really
1: i'm trying to, try to think back and like the only thing i could possibly think of of uh 18a is like maybe the animal cruelty potentially and it's not that bad it's, and it's not even really it's, it's yeah. just a bunch of pigs living in their own shit yeah. yeah literally all it is
0: yeah like if if we want to talk about animal cruelty like i saw fucking cannibal holocaust i know animal cruelty Put and that I on know. a T-shirt.
1: <laughs> but even then, like, like I'm trying, like, even the Thunderdome stuff, there was
2: like no blood, really, like, There's barely any. No, blood, I think there's no any. blood. I don't think there's any nudity. Like, there's some very like scantily clad outfits, but like even that wouldn't get it more than like than a 14. I'm seeing like yeah. a
1: guy like at his desk in like an office, like with a stamp, like those stampers that has 18A on it, and he just has like a stack of papers and he's just flipping through the papers and stamping, and he just happens to come across Thunderdome and just stamps it. 18a sure <laughs> next just doesn't give a fuck because that seems like what this move that was seems like what happened
0: the fact that deadpool is rated 14a and this is 18a fuck that's right that's right it's kind of haunting like the fact that ted is 14a and this is 18a
1: so kind of haunting Do we even have 18a anymore? Or is it just r
0: no no we have 18a still like like i said I r is you. Really, really old movies that they haven't really gotten
1: reclassified. Because okay, so all, of, all, of, I was just asking you guys about the rating system of Canada, because I was asking if it went G, PG, 14A, uh, R, and then 18A.
0: No, it would yeah. be it would be the other way around. It's so uh,
1: yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, because yeah. sorry, go on.
0: As I as I mentioned before, the Canada's R rating is the equivalent of the U.S. as NC-17.
1: Okay, oh, and so and and their NC seventeen is the highest one they have.
0: Yeah, yeah, NC seventeen is like you cannot bring your fucking kids to this movie.
1: Okay, so so then I go eighteen A first, and then R. Okay. Yeah.
0: Um. So generally, movies that get slapped with an R are older movies that get re released, and they don't really have the time or the effort to get the reclassified. Okay. Huh. So, like, when Nightmare on Elm Street came out on DVD here in Canada, it had an R rating. I think now it's fourteen A.
2: <laughs> it's very arbitrary, yeah. honestly. But the fact that yeah, Thunderdome that that's just fucking bizarre.
0: Yeah, no, I the know thing how. with the, the the discrepancy between Thunderdome in the states and Canada is like fucking insane. But anyway, the point of it being PG thirteen is that yeah, like it it does fundamentally kind of change how this movie kind of ends up. Turning out because it doesn't have that same rugged aesthetic. It doesn't have that same nihilistic atmosphere that kind of runs rampant throughout most of the films. That's definitely, and it doesn't feel as disturbing. It definitely feels more whimsical. It feels kind of cute, especially in the second half. Like in the first half, it kind of gives me like a light army of darkness set in the Mad Max universe vibe. It's definitely a sequel to K episode folks. We got Simpsons and fucking army of darkness yeah, we got all the hallmarks. Yeah, we just need to get some walk-hard shit in there. Uh, yes. Ideally some Careless Whisper, but
2: that won't play well over Discord. No, it won't play well over Discord.
0: Yeah, the PG-13 rating, along with George Miller's active disinterest in the film and the fact that it wasn't supposed to be a Mad Max movie, those are the three big things that kind of determined what it ended up being. And I think those are the big things to keep in mind, because like, a lot of what we're saying is, it's a weird total fuck of a movie that doesn't make a whole lot of sense and feels very all over the place and you're definitely not going to feel the same way about it by the end that you did in the beginning
2: yeah exactly Um, um and also it feels very 80s oh my god it
0: does Like, uh, like the road warrior still has that 70s vibe to it but I think that's because we're still kind of slowly coming out of the 70s by 81 by 85
2: we are in the 80s oh yeah like there was major cocaine energy in Bartertown.
0: Oh, like oh, there's oh major boy. cocaine energy in Bartertown. Holy <laughs> shit! Like, <laughs> yeah, like it definitely screams 1985. Yeah, and it
2: definitely screams George Miller in 1985. Yes, yes, it does. But with that, unless we have anything else to say, I think we'll I think we'll wrap up beyond yeah. Thunderdome. Uh, Chris, why don't you give your final recommendation?
0: Um, yeah, my final recommendation is just a light thumbs up. Um. It's, it's definitely, it definitely doesn't feel like a Mad Max movie. It definitely doesn't have that same atmosphere. It definitely doesn't have that same consistency. It definitely doesn't feel that insane. The only insanity you're really going to feel is like the insane tonal shifts. Um, and again, there's reasons why. We've talked about them for the last 20 minutes. It's a weird movie. It, yeah. Like I said, it, it's like if Army of Darkness and Mad Max had a baby with Hook. Yeah, it feels bizarre. It feels like it feels like this weird outlier in the franchise. And I think for that it kinda it kinda gets slacked on a little more than it should. But I think ultimately there's still merits to come out of
2: it. And I think if like goofy 80s shit is your thing, then this is absolutely gonna be your thing. On my end, uh, if if anything we talked about like doesn't bother you or like you're still curious or you still want to see it, then I would give it a soft recommendation. Easy. If like it does sound like you put it puts you off, then I'm gonna have to go middle middle of the road. Like and much like the movie itself, my thoughts on the movie are kind of all over the place, yeah. just because like I I can't really get a read on it. Yeah. Uh it, it's it's a it's an interesting movie. It's got some it, it's got some interesting visual aspects. Uh they continue kind of the thread of um Max being kind of like a man with no name allegory. Even call him that. Uh, albeit, yeah, they even call him that. That's true. You know, Tina and when what screen time she has Tina Turner choose the scenery really.
0: Oh, yeah, anyway. she's she's awesome in this. Movie. She's,
2: she's great. She really is. But uh, other than that, I think it, it winds up kind of being less than the sum of its parts. And I think I think the middle really drags the pacing down. And I think like the tonal shifts kind of very free loop. It's good. Your enjoyment of this movie will depend on how well you can kind of roll with its punches. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. But yeah that's what it kind of hinges on. I think so, uh, I think I that's where I am.
1: I think I feel the same kind of way like coming from someone who saw this movie for the first time watching this uh, for the recording, uh, I was very confused a lot of the time uh, about what exactly was going on. And so for that reason alone, I think I'm I'm going to give it like a middle of the road towards kind of thumbs down area just cuz I don't know, it didn't feel like a Mad Max movie to me. And it's like I didn't, I didn't get what I thought was I was gonna get out of the movie. Still beats the shit out of Mad Max. Oh, Seven just Max. fucking wipes the floor with the first one.
0: You guys have been cutting out for the last couple minutes, so I'm, I'm looking at this, I'm looking at this Nathan for you picture. It's, it's Nathan Fielder, it's Nathan Fielder at a gas station, and he's saying, "Through the darkness of futures past, the magician longs to see one chance out between two worlds." And then the other panel is. Cutting to the gas
2: station clerk, and he says, "I drink my grandson's pee." And then just cuts back to Nathan. We've got a Twin Peaks reference now. (laughs) Running the gamut. All right, welcome back, folks. And I say welcome back because we just took a break. A little behind the scenes tidbit for all you fine folks out (laughs) there—you get the real inside scoop. But we're going to be (laughs) talking now. We're going to be talking about the latest and best entry in the Mad Max franchise, Mad Max: Fury Road. Yes. Yes. Okay, so.
0: Mad Max Fury Road might actually be the only film from the last 10 years that will probably go down as one of the greatest films ever made. Yeah, yeah. Or at least as of right now. Like, I think it's like the only film besides like the social network to come out of the 2010s to be considered like an instant classic. Oh, I, I love can,
2: the social network. I can see that, yeah. Um,
0: film was nominated for 10 Academy Awards and won six. It should have won Best Picture that year, to be completely honest, out of the nominees.
2: Oh, who won Best Picture?
0: Uh, that would have been Spotlight.
2: Yeah, I definitely deserved it.
0: Um, movie I could not give two shits about. For those of you who have been living under a rock for the last five years, Mad Max Fury Road came out in 2015, once again directed solely by George Miller. Um, it stars Tom Hardy, Charlize Theron, Nicholas Holt, Zoe Kravitz, Hugh Keysburn um rosie huntington wheat um whiteley wow. um i almost said wheatley um <laughs> riley Keo. um a shitload of other people that i am too lazy to name right now it is an absolute fucking treasure and plot wise max teams up with charlie's theron's character furiosa who is trying to transport Immortan joe the central antagonist um cult wives yeah cult cult wives across the desert to get the fuck away from him and to somewhere much safer it is a two hour car chase it is a masterpiece I'm pretty sure we don't even need to go into our general thoughts because I think we all agree it is a perfect film
1: I love this movie (laughs) it's a perfect movie
0: yeah like there's nothing wrong with it
1: yeah the visuals alone Ooh
0: are oh yeah
1: fantastic
0: and this is one of the best pieces of visual storytelling in such a long time
2: because mm-hmm. it's relatively i mean there is quite a bit of dialogue but there was relatively little compared to other action releases like most of it is told either through action or, or through just visuals mm-hmm. uh, and which oh, is yeah. such a rarity like it, it was this was such a breath a breath of fresh air when it came out and like well was a, and look at look at what came out
0: that year like we had Kingsman, which had the famous Freebird sequence in the church. Um, Mission Impossible 5, Fast and Furious 7. I yeah. feel like I'm missing something.
1: No, that, and even, then, that, though, even those three movies alone are, are real good contenders.
0: Oh, they're really good contenders. Like on a in a normal year, those would be really good contenders, like best action movie of that year.
2: This movie is actually like it was in development hell for since I think like the 90s. Like they they had been trying to get it greenlit, but like it it was just never working on work, working on working out. Like George Miller had moved on to stuff like Happy Feet at this point. Like he wasn't really interested in coming back. Uh, is mm-hmm. what I'm what I'm reading. Uh but by the time they were kind of seriously looking into it again, like Mel Gibson was old, and also everything else about Mel Gibson. Yeah. So they didn't they I'll didn't uh... want to cast him as Max anymore. Uh for so for
1: for it, good reasoning.
2: Yeah, extremely good reasoning and in 2010 it was announced that uh tom hardy would take over the role as max
1: that is Uh, such good casting by the way holy shit
2: yeah and we'll get into tom hardy but that's fantastic casting and then it starts getting filmed in uh in namibia in africa i think it's the first one to be filmed outside of australia Mm -hmm. and these trailers start coming out and it's it just uh, this is my introduction to like Mad Max as a concept. Like I knew it existed, yeah. but I didn't really know shit about it, except that yeah. people wore a lot of leather. And there's this it, it, like you just see this massive dust storm that looks incredible. And oh, yeah. Tom Hardy being strapped to a strapped to a car and just like and like grunting animalistically, and Nicholas Holt screaming, Oh what a day! What a what a lovely day! day! And so- I, I, at the camera. And I just thought, what the f- is happening in this? Then the movie comes out, and like I swear to God, it's one—it's probably the best theater experience I've ever had.
1: Oh yeah, by uh, far, one of my favorites by far. I'm yeah. so glad I went and saw that in like AVX because like had a Dolby Atmos all that shit. Because the one thing that really actually took me by surprise is how quiet this movie could get sometimes, especially during like the dialogue scenes between Max and uh, Furiosa. It was like right after that huge dust storm scene where it like it's just in the car driving. It gets so quiet. And I only know this because I had to turn up my volume on my TV because I couldn't hear them talking. And then, just, like right after that, it just extremely loud uh, uh, soundtrack and driving and music and crashing and all. This. It's 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 like go, being able to go from extremely loud and, and intense to kind of tone down and really getting to know the characters is just amazing to me.
2: Speaking of the characters, I think it's fair to say that this probably has like the best cast of characters in a Mad Max movie. Oh yes, like for Bart sure.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely.
2: Like, I think Tom Hardy like definitely plays Max way more unhinged than Mel Gibson did. Oh, for sure. Because throughout like most of the first half of the movie, like most of his dialogue is like aggressive grunting. Yeah, he, like, he, yeah. he
1: has that like at the very beginning, he has those like three lines of dialogue introducing narrating himself. And then he doesn't mm-hmm. actually say another word, I think, until he meets up with Furiosa.
2: Which is like kind of beginning of the second act.
1: Exactly. Which. Like half an hour, 40 minutes later.
2: Yeah, like he's like, I, I, and I've mentioned this before, but he's kind of like the the Mar the Marlon Brando. He's got kind of like a our generation's Marlon Brando allegory, mm-hmm. where like he won't always be in the best movie, and he won't always give like a necessarily good performance, but he'll 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 give you something that's either entertaining or fantastic. Yes. Yeah. Um. But he gets like kind of outshined in this movie, I think. I. I yeah, oh yeah. Furiosa is like the best thing about this movie character-wise. Oh, Charlie
1: Stern is so good.
2: There was a there was a lot of discussion after this movie came out where because Furiosa is I would I, I don't agree that she's the main character, but she basically has just as much screen time as Max.
1: She is a very important supporting character, I would say.
2: I don't know. It's a, it's hard. Well, it's but,
1: hard too because you just don't even see Max a lot this film either until like I said, the second act,
0: and and I'm gonna be completely frank here. Um, I I don't give a shit that I don't see Max that much because no. oh, Max no. is doing in this movie exactly what Max has done throughout the franchise. Yes,
2: exactly. exactly. Which
0: is just be the support.
2: Yep. Yeah. Exactly. Be the muscle. He's doing it, yeah, with a, lot, with a lot more grunting and a lot more threatening people with guns. But like he does fulfill like kind of this the the hired muscle, the silent protagonist who... More than slightly unhinged this time around, but he is he is still Max in this movie. Yes.
0: Yeah. But it doesn't feel like anything's really changed. But I mean, of course, we got to make it about women because we're sexist or something.
2: Yeah. Like a lot of people after this came out, like bitched and moaned about Furiosa being so important and how like most of the supporting cast is women like, oh, uh, and let's be clear. These people just fucking hate women. They were just mad that yeah. women are on a screen. And they were taking part taking screen time away from they're a part.
1: they're They're a part of the story, man. Like they're, they're, they're the, the, they are
2: the story theme of like feminism and its relationship to fascism is like so intertwined into the narrative of the movie that like, if you would do like a cut of the movie where like all the women are cut out, like I'm sure somebody probably wants, it would just fall flat on its own face. Oh yeah. And then just do like repeated like cartwheels slamming its face into the ground.
1: God oh, it's just there's so many scenes in this movie where it's just just gruesome. Just fucking brutal.
2: Oh yeah, yeah. like
0: this feels like the Road Warrior again. This oh, feels it's, like it's, a fucking Mad Max movie.
1: It's uh, exactly. Yeah. Like that scene where the woman who's pregnant. Yeah, falls. That is yeah. heart-wrenching. Yeah, it's And then it, further on when they you you pick up with them later because I think I think they clarified that the, the girl was still alive but that the baby had died. I can't, I, can, uh, I can't, I can't remember. Think,
2: I didn't think, no, they're both dead
1: either yeah, way. Like they, dead. The, but the point is the guy literally just cuts open or something with like a rusty ass knife and yanks out this unborn baby and throws it onto the floor.
2: That is yeah. horrific. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of like, I think brutalization of female bodies in this movie, but it's not, it's not done in a way that feels exploitative.
1: No, it's, it's not, it's not like sexual exploitation.
2: Well, I, I think like this is this is the movie. This is the Mad Max movie that I think has the most like overt uh, socio political commentary in it, because when you boil it down, the plot is a bunch of women fleeing from uh, a fascist society, a dictator. Yeah, and yeah, I, th- I think we can. I think we can probably quibble about whether a Morton Joe, who is played by Hugh Keyes-Burns, who was a toe cutter in the first movie, we could probably quibble quibble about whether his uh, regime yeah. is fascist or not, but it does share a lot of qualities of. This kind of extreme traditionalism and anti-feminism, but also like uh, just indoctrinating young men into like a death cult, essentially.
1: Well, yeah, like because like that, that, that scene in the trailer, like you said, what a lovely day. That entire thing he says is because he's watching his comrades, his, his fellow pale ass skin with black eyes. War boys. War boys. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, die. Because they think that if they die in a in a blaze of glory, they're going to go to Valhalla, mm-hmm. which is not you no. Know, it's actually quite similar to how the Vikings thought of it. Like if you die in battle, you're going to go to Valhalla. You have to die with your sword in your hand, kind of stuff. You know? What well, I mean? yeah. yeah. Which is which is good and cool for an allegory, but when you see it in practice of this guy, he's clearly just being manipulated by someone who controls the water supply.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, and and also to an extent, you can link it to my connection to um fascism and religion
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: which i don't know if i've discussed on this program (laughs) i don't know Mm -hmm. but generally i'm i'm of the firm belief that a lot of the characteristics of contemporary fascism especially a lot of the ways that followers of fascists tend to behave tend to come back to the behaviors of those who um are obsessively
2: following organized religion Mm Yeah in some aspects and i'm not i'm not I'm not all of them but like a lot no of, not all of them of course not Yeah. oh yeah but i meant i meant more so that like and i'm kind of talking out of my ass here but i think i think i think it makes sense Is like in nazi germany it was like religion wasn't necessarily like a big part of the of the nazi mythology and no. you can like some obscure reference yeah, no but like it's, it's old, still it's still mythology it still
1: played a part though right
2: because more so that it was like the replacement of religion to some extent with, uh, you know, the Nazi ideology.
0: Yeah, um, exactly. And I think it, that's kind of and I think that's kind of what um, that's kind of what Immortan Joe has kind of become is like this replacement for religion in the same way that Hitler kind of did. Um, yeah. I feel like Glenn Beck every time I compare things to Hitler.
2: Yeah, and th- there are some exceptions like Francisco Franco's regime in Spain uh it was actually operated hand in hand with the catholic church but a lot of fascist regimes like will kind of be more adverse towards religion especially if like the the priests are against them they will instill this kind of religious devotion in their followers that's why we say that fascism is a death cult
0: but i think the reason why fascism is generally adverse to religion is because and like especially coming back to like the most like universally recognized religion on the planet we look at like christianity and any of its uh offshoots i guess like the first of the ten commandments is thou shalt have no other gods before me and generally a lot of these fascist leaders tend to view them- themselves not only higher than their people but also higher than god
2: yeah yeah and they build up this mythology to kind of justify that like the the Nazi re- the nazis like Built up the idea of the Aryan race, which was built out of pseudoscience, like nineteenth-century pseudoscience. Like it's not, it's not actually something that exists. But if you instill with yeah. people with the belief that you know once we were great and we can be great again at the exclusion of other people uh, who are mm-hmm. inferior anyway, so that then at that point it doesn't matter. Like I, d- I don't think you necessarily see that specifically in Mad Max, although you do have a lot of references to old mythology like valhalla which is obviously a kind of the old norse uh allegory to heaven where pe- the warriors would go after they die mm-hmm. so th- it, there is that kind of hearkening back even if it's not quite as like ex- it's not overly explained but it's definitely there
0: um it's it's also sort of interesting as an allegory for idealizing the past too
2: yeah definitely well not even just that but
0: also like the real again like we're coming back to the reliance on like Oil and stuff, and these scare- and this current scarcity of resources, which in and of it, in and of itself is an allegory for how we kind of try to cl- clench on to these resources that are inevitably going to die, but we're so obsessed with the successes that we've had with it in the past that we're not willing to let go of it. In the same way that with the Valhalla stuff, it's an allegory for how. Yes, like absolutely. It harkens back to fascism and spirituality, but it's also this idea that, you know, these characters are latching on to a past belief in a greater future that doesn't actually exist anymore and that nobody actually, you know, still holds on to
2: yeah exactly yeah. or at least it doesn't exist for the people who live under joe because like yeah joe and his family live in relative luxury but they do that by essentially excluding everybody else like the other 99 percent of the population from the the share their share of the riches being water in this case yeah, it's,
1: it's like, it's yeah. like um, morton joe and his his followers represent
2: like the one percent well not the fault fo- not his followers certainly. but like him, um, him just to like, morton joe him and his his yes. his, his cult wives and the few more so so him and his sons
1: are are those those were his sons those like the guy in like the really the baby looking guy
2: and uh, yeah those are his sons and like his very close uh advisors like the bullet farmer and uh the other one Mm -hmm. uh the purple people leader (laughs) uh but those are the people in charge and everybody else is at some uh, is some level down the hierarchy the war boys are just disposable flesh for him. Like he just needs them to protect his grip on power. And there's obviously the women are there solely. So Joe can have, have kids with them uh, to put it extremely yeah, mildly. Uh, and a- a- every, like the commoners can eat shit for Holly for all he cares. They're just there so he can oh. ha- So he can actually justify his powers. <laughs> and, you know, living in Alberta, we, we have, we have a couple of, we have some insight into the idea of like an obsolete resource being essentially lorded over everybody or essentially worshipped, I guess. Uh um, it starts with an O and ends in oil. Yeah. It What was that yeah. word again? Does anyone remember?
0: Oil. I'm kinda dumb. Oil. Ah, uh, no, that's that's not it. That that sounds kinda wrong. Eel? Like, no, no, not eel. Those are those things that like stick onto my P. And suck out all my s-
2: what kind of parties are you going to what lakes are you
1: jumping into that's what I want to know
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: you just heard of that, a fish right like if you like go in the ocean that fish that like swim if you piss in the ocean like, it, like swims up your pee stream
2: yep I've heard of it and it's, it's fucking profoundly terrifying
1: yeah tip of the day from sequel Decay. <laughs> that, that's something that rhymes don't piss in the ocean don't don't piss
2: in random tropical
1: rivers. this has been a PSA from Sequel Decay has to rhyme unless it doesn't make any sense
2: penis fish aside like we're talking about (laughs) Uh, well true this is this is this is the this is the kind of discussion that you that the viewers crave while we're on the topic of fascism though I wanted to hit real quick on like how this kind of society treats women because obviously in in fascist societies like for the most part women are seen as you know uh, as objects for yeah resources well
1: there's that there's that there's that scene where there's literally a room full of i don't know if they're pregnant or like motherly i guess motherly women who whose breasts are extremely large and they're literally milked for breast milk
2: yeah it's it's extremely disgusting it's a it's a but but it's like a kind of a a bang-on visual allegory for this kind of mentality of you know women's primary duty is to uh create population to fuel the the state the state's need for able bodies. Yeah. And obviously that's why the Joe's wives uh flee with the help of Furiosa. Um but I think a cool thing that like the movie also points out that it's like it's when the the these kind of oppressive systems are as ever extending as Joe's and, uh, granted we don't really know how far his territory goes but we can imagine it's a lot what once they extend that far it's kind of impossible to escape from them you have to break them yourself yeah, yeah. you know at the like they could have easily just made a movie where they escape to the green place and uh it probably would have been fine honestly but what they end up doing is they instead of like keeping leaving them leaving themselves and maybe not even escaping and if they do escape they leave everybody else to their fate, they go back and break the system entirely so that mm-hmm. it doesn't have to hurt anybody again. Well which, and and it
0: and it comes back to what um what
2: uh, Bong Jun ho was getting at in Snowpiercer as well, which was an episode we did last time. Yeah, exa- go exa- exactly. Go listen to it. Yeah, exactly. It's uh yeah, go listen to it, please. Yeah. Pretty please. Uh, I'll I'll suck your dick. If you listen to the podcast... Folks, you heard if him listen say listen
0: to the podcast, I'll suck your dick. That's a I will sh- to Promise. <laughs> I, I, will, I will gargle. I will spit. I will swallow. I will take it in the ass. I will do... I will take it up my fucking pee hole if, if it
2: means that you listen to my show. If we get that fifth view on our Snowpiercer <laughs> episode.
0: If we get that fifth view, I will take a metal rod
2: up my urethra. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> all right. If Do we, we keep any of this in? You, <laughs> I yeah. will find the penis fish, <laughs> <laughs> I will, and I will it stick it up Chris's i the real take a, take a
0: catheter,
1: put it up Chris's dick, and then eat the <laughs> the penis fish through the catheter. What a horrifying image that is. <laughs> I kind of want
0: to once again, reiterate how perfect this movie is in terms of its visual storytelling, which, which, which makes a lot of sense because it was supposed to be a silent film at one point, Mm -hmm. weirdly enough, a black and white silent film, which given the movie's gorgeous color palette, you you wouldn't think that would work, Mm. but Mm -hmm. my God. Um, and I'll talk about the black and white version later, but somehow like, again, with like the, the kind of minimal dialogue is spent not only in contrast to like other Mad Max movies, but also in contrast to like action movies in general. Like this movie's not particularly quippy. This movie's not quick on its feet with its dialogue. It basically tells you what it kind of needs to with the dialogue. And then the rest of the story is told visually.
1: I love, I love yeah. how like, the freaking beginning of like the like original beginning of the, like one of the chase scenes is the the guy on the guitar getting up and just starts fucking playing, and then that becomes the soundtrack for this entire like twenty minute chase.
2: It's
0: for the record, so cool. that guy is the that guy is the coolest motherfucker on the planet. <laughs> the
2: I saw this <laughs> I fucking love my guitar boy. I love my guitar son.
0: Um, I saw this movie for the first the first time on opening weekend. I was eighteen and it was my grad weekend, and. Again, I wanted to go see this movie more than I wanted to go to my grad. You were right yeah. to. And my parents just told me, just go to your grad and we'll let you go see Mad Max after. I'm like, okay. Yeah, that's fair. So I remember as soon as that guy got up, because I was like, this movie's fucking insane. We're only 20 minutes in. This movie's fucking insane. <laughs> exactly. And then eight, 18 year old me is like, there's no way George Miller is going to make this fucking crazier. Guitar guy comes out, like, Rip, does like a couple chords fucking flame shootout holy <laughs> shit oh my god i this think this entire, i think this i enti- ejaculated <laughs>
2: <laughs> this entire movie is just like one uh heavy metal magazine oh
1: my right? god yes
2: another great example of like oh, okay less extravagant visual storytelling is uh this very like kind of subtle moment when max is trying to snipe uh i think the bullet farmer yeah. And as he as he's driving towards the convoy, which is stopped and he and he fucks up one or two shots, I forget how much exactly. And then like, it, the, there's no need for like a monologue of like Fu- Max refusing to hand over the gun or uh, saying like, fine, I'll let you I'll let Furiosa shoot because I because I trust you. Like you, he just kind of like hands or the briskly hands her the rifle and offers his shoulder as like a steadying thing.
1: Well, Oh, it's uh, so good
2: most of the character development in this movie is like it's, it's completely unstated in the, in the well, dialogue. I think the you the just, only thing
1: that's said before that scene happens is you got three bullets left.
2: Yeah. And yeah, then yeah. it's
1: so just, it's exactly. just body language and, and visual.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I think George Miller succeeded when he was like, I don't know if it was him who said this, but like where like you, you could watch this completely silent except for obviously the music and sound effects. And you would get the story across 100%. Yeah.
0: Oh, 100. Oh yeah. Like I honestly, I honestly think that if he did just make a fucking silent film with just the music and that's it, I honestly would be touting this as one of the greatest movies ever made.
2: But instead of the guitar player, it's like the same guy, but he's playing like one of those old timey pianos that used to play in in front of behind like silent black and white. Movies.
1: <laughs> like
0: <laughs> That would be fucking hysterical, but also fuck you. Obviously, like, this brilliant piece of visual storytelling. And speaking of visuals, we need to talk about how great the editing and the cinematography
2: are. Oh, my gosh. It, it It's fucking gorgeous. Like, there's really no other way to put it. But Oh, yeah. Like, they made this desert in Namibia. Like, not only look, like, unwelcoming as a desert in Namibia probably is, but, like, also just completely visually beautiful. Like, when they're driving into that storm and... It, it, it like also what i like is that it doesn't have a fixed color palette oh. there's scenes like in the second going into the third act where like it the 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 screen is purple and somehow they make that look incredible too it it's uh it's 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 so good it's so fucking good it, as for the editing like this is the like we mentioned in the first half like this is the longest mad max movie and it feels like the briskest the best paced it just absolutely clips along. There's like no wasted moment. Like, and when it does slow down, it's slow. It feels earned. It feels like okay. This this is, this is where it needs to. This is where it needs to go right now. Like it. It just. It's perfect. Mm.
0: Yeah. No. Like it clips along flawlessly. I I know. Um, when George Miller, um, offered the editing job to his wife, whose name I cannot remember at the top of my head. Someone please help me. Uh, yeah, yeah, Margaret Sixel. Yeah, so when he offered it to Margaret Sixel, she asked him why the fuck you want me editing Mad Max Fury Road, but okay. He said, if I gave it to any other guy, it would look like any other action movie. You know what? I, I can see that. And instead, this movie kind of looks like, almost like
2: an either an opera or ballet. I think a, I think a, a ballet, yeah. I, I can see that, but I think even more so the opera thing because it just is so, yeah. it feels so grand for, mm-hmm. and, like, for what is essentially like a bunch of dingy vehicles chasing each other. <laughs> this is the closest I'd ever
0: get to calling an action movie an art film. Yeah, fuck it. I would agree. Again, like the cinematography, the fucking score,
1: oh, the, the score, the
0: editing, like on a technical level, this is one of the greatest films ever made.
1: Absolutely. I'll never forget watching in the theater with Dolby Atmos as they drive into the fucking tornado storm.
0: Oh, oh, yeah. My
1: God, dude.
0: Oh, the yeah. sandstorm sequence alone is just
2: art. Oh, yeah. my God. It's so good. There, there is kind of an added wrinkle to this, though, where, like we mentioned, like George Miller wanted to shoot, wanted to make it a black and white movie. Well, lo and behold, uh, after the movie came out, uh, it was re-released, I think, on Blu-ray, but also in select theaters. There's the black and chrome edition was released. Which was a black and white version of Mad Max Fury Road. And Chris, both you and I saw it. And Oh, you did end up watching yeah, it? Yeah, my iTunes copy apparently had it, and I had no idea.
0: Well, I know you mentioned that, but I didn't mention I don't remember you actually telling me you saw it. No, so I, I, I guess we can talk about it. I watched it. both versions. Uh, okay, Brandon, you can leave now. See ya. Goodbye. Bye. See ya. Alright, let's talk about the black and chrome version. <laughs> Go for it. Right. So, Yeah, Mad Max Black and Chrome is the closest I think we're ever going to get to George Miller's preferred version of this movie, which was in black and white and silent. And before Black and Chrome came out, I think the rumor was that it was going to be exactly the way Miller originally wanted it to be. And I was so fucking down for that. But we ended up getting the Black and Chrome edition, which was, you know, much like The Mist in black and white or Logan Noir and eventually Parasite in black and white. You know... And even the Twilight Zone in black and white, it's just kind of an excuse to like kind of capitalize on nostalgia, I guess. I don't know. Generally cuz a lot of these black and white versions just kind of seem like kind of an excuse just re-release the movie, get a little more cash, see it from a new perspective. Doesn't always look great. I didn't really like it when I saw it the first time cuz we ended up buying it around the time when it came out. And I remember just sitting there going Okay, this this looks okay, but also like the colors in Fury Road are so vibrant and gorgeous and unpredictable and chaotic that kind of making it black and white seemed kind of redundant. Mm-hmm. Watching it again recently, like the black and white photography is stunning. Yeah. You're you're losing something, of course, but well, it's, it looks it's, incredible. It's just a different perspective,
2: right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. When I saw it, like I, 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 I loved it. I thought it looked fantastic. Like and obviously you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna lose a lot of the a lot of the the highlights that color brings, obviously. Like that's on its I I wouldn't say it's my preferred version of watching it, but on its own it looks fantastic. Oh yeah. Like watch it every couple of years, it looks great. Also, uh we didn't really talk about like the action itself in this movie. But
0: No, and we need but before we do, mm. we need to take a moment of silence for our
2: boys, the fucking stunt crew
0: of Mad Max Fury Road.
2: Holy shit, they were so. I just commend them. Just he praise upon them. So nothing but respect for our boys, the
1: stunt oh, yeah. crew. They're so they're so
2: good. There really should be more recognition for stuntmen in like the general in Hollywood. Or,
1: well, like yeah, I want to. I kind of want to know how they shot that 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 scene where the the guy who plays but one of the war boys. What's his name? Mm-hmm nicholas holt nicholas holt yes when he decides to uh destroy the truck and you know says witness me and all like all that good stuff before the yeah thing falls down by the way incredible fucking shot scene oh yeah holy crap because it just zooms up like at at some point and i don't know what point it is it it transfers from him like in in real life shooting to see i think probably cgi i would assume
0: like 90% of this movie was practical. So I don't
1: fucking know. I don't, really, I don't know. And, and, and that's I, I remember hearing that too, because I I, if that's the case, I want to know how they shot that fucking truck scene because holy crap.
2: Very precisely.
0: My, my favorite Mad Max Fury Road trivia story is that George Miller screened some footage at South by Southwest in 2015 and Robert Rodriguez stood up and went, how the hell did you film that? <laughs>
2: I yeah. echo Robert Rodriguez's statement because a lot of this, like, it basically has to be perfect the first time or else it's going to be a fucking oh, yeah. nightmare to reshoot. Yeah. Or somebody's going to die.
0: <laughs> or someone's going to die! Like, I love how George Miller single-handedly risked the lives of hundreds of people so he could make this sort of avant-garde, operatic action masterpiece. <laughs> and it fucking worked. And we're now sitting here going, how the fuck did he do it why the fuck did this happen how the fuck does this work and when the fuck are we getting another one (laughs) (laughs)
1: yeah when are we getting more yeah honestly 10 I don't I don't think we like I think it would be nice if we if we end up getting getting a sequel to Mad Max if it was the same caliber as this that'd be awesome but I just don't know if that's possible imagine George Miller trying to up the
2: caliber somehow that would be fu- Mad Max Fury Road, but in space. <laughs> <laughs> that, sounds, that, sounds, that sounds so dumb. That sounds
1: so well, fucking stupid. I mean, <laughs>
0: may- maybe when Tom Cruise is done filming that movie in space, George Miller would be like, oh, I'd like to try me some of that, mate.
1: Yeah, it's just it's just Mad Max, but on the fucking moon.
0: <laughs> it's Mad Max in the Outback of Mars.
1: <laughs> that sounds fucking it, they, awesome. They, they could take, like a, take like a Jupiter ascending vibe and just do it in the middle of fucking...
0: Every like I remembered sitting there watching it for the first time going, I don't know how he fucking did this. Mm-hmm. I can't fucking believe he did this. Yeah. I'm shocked that nobody's dead right now. And I'm even more stunned that Hollywood hasn't created a best stunt work category yet. Because
1: yeah. they should. Yeah. Oh my god, yeah, that should hundred percent be a category. Oh yeah. Give okay. give some props to the fucking stuntmen. Like take uh take Jackie Chan's stuntman. Like he relies on them so heavily yeah or did for his movies back in the day
2: yeah i uh like like i mentioned before like I'm, i don't really care much for like cars or car chases in general but like with like even the most basic like car chases like i always wonder like how the fuck did they shoot that because that looks really hard with this it just like just blows my oh understanding yeah i ending of how to film shit like it just blows it out of the fucking water i want to know
1: oh yeah i, I want to know how many takes it took like that's what I'm really curious about is how, like I'm because I'm sure the explosion scenes and the big you know those kind of stuff probably was only one take, one or two at the very most, but like those ones where they're just driving around and like doing all the in, in, ins and outs between the cars and all, like I just I want to know, like how long it took to get the timing right and the right you know lighting for shots and stuff like that like that must have been
2: excruciatingly tedious. One take or Namibia is fucked. <laughs> 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 I I'm, I'm just imagining like I'm imagining like this j- like the guy
0: jumps in with the two like spears or whatever jumps onto the car it all blows up boom 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 everyone looks mortified George Miller right cut uh yeah so we're going to have to do it again all right uh th- the performance wasn't that convincing you know you yeah, didn't show enough teeth <laughs> <laughs> didn't show enough teeth <laughs> <laughs> all right take 2
2: <laughs> Meanwhile, John Helman is fucking dead.
0: <laughs> oh god! <laughs> All right. We'll we'll hold a candlelight vigil for him later. <laughs>
1: god damn it!
0: Throw him on the My wow. Australian accent is horrible.
1: Terrible, Chris.
0: Throw <laughs> him on, on the pile. <laughs>
2: they just, just a fucking pile of dead
0: war boy stuntmen no no it no and it's on fire too <laughs> set,
2: it looks more festive that way really all right who set the stuntmen's corpses on fire
0: <laughs>
2: george Miller just awkwardly raises his hand <laughs> fuck george uh we didn't really talk much about furiosa
0: no, we haven't. Uh, yeah, I was going to say maybe she should have been nominated for an Oscar or something. Maybe. Not yeah, maybe. I mean I,
2: it's a novel. It's a novel thing, but yeah. maybe the best performance of the year you know, should be nominated for an Oscar.
1: Mayhaps. Yeah. <laughs> mayhaps per, per
0: per chance. It's it's kind of like how the best directed movie of the year should win best director and this movie didn't. So, Uh-huh. It did it not win best director? Yeah. No. Who the fuck won best director? Uh, that would be a great question. Let's find out. Uh, um, best director, 2K16. In your redo for The Revenant.
2: This should have won hands down.
0: Oh, blow me. Yeah, <laughs> Mad Max should have won hands down. Yeah, Like, George Miller almost killed hundreds of people for his operatic ballet action masterpiece. In your redo just kind of got DiCaprio to get his ass kicked by, like, a CGI bear. Like, blow me. <laughs>
2: Yeah, yeah. This movie should won. Should have won every Oscar. Not only then, but like every Oscar since then. Just
1: realized Tom Hardy was yeah. in that movie too. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. He he's, was. He's the he's the main bad guy. I I fucking can't stand
0: that movie. <laughs> the
1: Revenant. I didn't think it was that bad. It's a fucking slog, dude. I can't it, sit it's, to it. It's slow.
2: Yeah, it was pretty boring, from what I remember. Back to back to Charlize Theron. Like, Yes, the best performance of 2015. Absolutely. Like, I again, it's it's hard to explain why she's good because so much of it is nonverbal. It's a lot in her eyes, and it's a lot of like her makeup. I think because oh
1: yeah, 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 yeah. Have,
2: like the black grease paint smeared across the top of her head.
1: Well, talking and about her eyes, of- talking about her eyes, like she was always looked at to me like she was on the verge of break, like bursting into tears. Oh yeah, like, like always, or yeah. like. Fear, a little bit, a little bit fear stricken, a little bit as well. Like, just she conveyed yeah. so much, so much emotion and so much, so much emotion with her, with just her face.
2: Yeah, but also like anger and fury, go figure. <laughs> uh, yeah, who knew? The, the one like big, not, not even Oscar moment, but like the big emotional outpouring she has is when they get to the green place and realize that it's a wasteland now. Yeah. And she just screams at the sky yeah i I, well first of all that that that's incredibly shot second of all like it just feels like all the it 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 feels like all the emotion that was pent up inside of her like all the all the rage and longing and sadness inside of her just is like thrown into that one scream and it's just so powerful i don't know how well i'm explaining this because again very little dialogue to convey it but it, it whatever it is it works
0: it's a it's a testament to her as an actress yeah there's a reason why furiosa is remembered in this movie more than max is and a lot of it is Charlize Theron's performance mm-hmm. she's fucking incredible yeah like you guys said it's it's all in the emotion it's like again that scream scene like everything stefan said is absolutely 100 correct yeah like there's at least this feeling of like constant anxiety throughout her entire performance yeah like at best at worst like you said brandon fear uh stefan for lack of a better word fury or just like just deep
1: deep trauma and to I have, have to convey have, that I have, like nothing bad to say about this movie at all
0: <laughs> no no i don't have a single problem with it it's one of those few films i'd consider perfect
2: mm-hmm. uh, and if we stick if we stick with performance for a while like we don't usually talk too much about performances but it's also worth mentioning that like T- Charlie Theron is fantastic. Tom Hardy is fantastic. Like Nicholas Holt and the rest of the supporting cast are incredible too.
1: Yes, Nicholas Holt. Oh, is yeah. one, of the, one of my favorite characters in this movie. He is. Well, I I just for fair I liked him as an actor before I saw this movie.
2: Nicholas Holt is a great actor.
0: Yeah. Uh. Oh, Nicholas Holt rules. Yeah. Uh, Warm Bodies is great. Warm Bodies is
2: fantastic. Oh my God, Stefan. I think I, God. I think I would. You really, haven't seen it? I, I think it's I would so really good, see it, but I haven't seen it you would love it I it's, think. it's really fun yeah it's fun but yeah
0: like there's not a single performance in this movie i would call bad there's not even a single performance in this movie i'd call good because that feels too low
1: yeah exactly they're all
0: they're all, all either very good or great
2: even like the really like a really small part like josh hellman he's uh the actor who played um young william striker in the x-men movies and he plays uh nick nux nicholas holt's uh his friend right yeah yeah. he's really great in like the two minutes of screen time he has too (laughs) oh yeah and like all the all of joe's wives like riley kyo zoe kravitz uh rosie huntington whiteley abby lee courtney eaton like they all in one way or another, like they don't they they make their mark like smaller marks than the than the three main characters, obviously, but like they all leave something of an impact. Like it, yeah. It's just it's just firing on all cylinders, like cast wise and in every other aspect.
1: Yeah, uh, I did have one question. Did did they ever explain because like I remember at the beginning of the film, where like Max is uh, one of his. uh arcs is that he has vi- these visions of these people who have died who he hasn't helped or can't couldn't help did they ever elaborate on that at all i can't nope. remember
2: nope they, uh, it's <sighs> like this is for all intents and purposes this is a reboot and you're just yeah you're just, you're just supposed to know that max has a really tortured past and that he's left people behind in the past yeah. like that's okay.
1: that's, that's, yeah, that's all i really took it as too. is like i didn't really think much of it no because it, it, you
2: don't have you, to be fair you don't really have time to think much of
1: it because there's so much fucking happening
0: and it kind of resolves itself in the end anyway because yes he does end up leaving furiosa behind but he leaves her
2: behind in a better situation yes. yeah yeah it's it's so it doesn't feel like it did before yeah, yeah it's like it's like the old western archetype of like the lone the ranger the lone anti-hero comes to the town reluctantly help its helps its residents and uh then go then go they go their separate ways like it's that yeah. same idea yeah uh, yeah love the scene of the the water cu- the water finally coming down what? from the
1: mountain and- oh that's oh. so good what's your guys favorite scene
2: oh that's a good question because uh, it's tough oh
1: i have an
0: answer
2: okay you, go for you, it
1: you go first i'm still thinking
0: uh the entire movie
1: <laughs> come on chris be serious
0: <laughs> it's a 120 minute long
1: scene <laughs> <laughs> come on what's your favorite scene you fuck
0: i i can't i can't honestly think of one like the movie
1: it's just that good you can't it's, they're all it's
0: good. that it's that good there's I, no scene i can break down and go this is the best one i, I can't
1: yeah, do this Then do do like top two or top three
0: i can't even do that like because
1: i know i know a me,
2: couple like to me the movie just plays as like one two hour car chase scene anyway yeah it, 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 it like everything works so well in like its own like kind of fluid motion that like it feels weird to kind of isolate it. But if I had to pick, I have two that come to mind. I have the scene I mentioned before of Furiosa screaming at the sky, yeah, and uh, the water coming down at the end of at the end of the movie. Yes,
1: that's I. I have I have two weird as well. Either
2: of those are car chases. Oh, also the the storm. But go yes, on.
1: yeah, yeah. So, that, so yeah, so that was one of mine. Is the is when they go into the tornado storm. That is by far one of my favorite scenes of all time. Uh, mm-hmm. the other one is very gruesome, and it's when Morton Joe gets his fucking face ripped off.
0: Oh, fuck, yeah. That by, the har- by the harpoon and
1: the, and the tire, because it gets caught in the chain or whatever, right? Like, oh my God.
0: You know, funny you bring up the disgusting, gruesome shit, because they actually did make a PG-13 cut of this movie, too. Oh, really? Just in case. Just, just in case, because like, you gotta keep in mind, like, this was at the time when, like, Terminator Genesis and Terminator Salvation, Live for Your Die Hard and all that shit was coming out, like these PG-13 sequel reboots to R-rated franchises from the past. Yeah. So they weren't really sure how, how it was going to test as an R-rated movie, so they were kind of hesitant. hesitant. Yeah. This could have been
2: PG-13. <laughs> I'm so glad it's not. I suppose it would have worked, but I'm glad we got the cut we got.
0: I, I can see it working as a PG-13 movie. We also got to remember that, like, Drag Me to Hell is PG-13. So it's it's entirely possible that, like, a PG-13 Mad Max Fury Road could actually work. <laughs> It would just mean cutting down on some of the more grotesque
2: stuff, and, which isn't that bad. Yeah, no, not for, at all.
1: And,
2: and for as much as we kind of talk about their grotesque parts, there's not a lot of it in the movie. But when it does happen, it's like very striking, like uh, with the women getting and this feels gross to say, but with the women getting milked at the very beginning.
1: Oh, uh, God. That's, yeah,
2: that's of, that,
1: that sounds bad women yeah, getting I, that
2: feels bad to listen to yet. it feels <laughs> gross saying it and probably
1: <laughs> I, I, I hope everyone at home who listening just cringed a little bit because i, I hope so I'd if feel, you didn't I'd what the oxygen. fuck honest
0: honestly after listening to that i'm thinking of ending things
2: ah <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, inside jokes we love those charlie kaufman shout outs. <laughs> 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 stefan would you recommend mad max fury road mad max fury road is in my top five favorite movies of all time. It's probably the best action movie ever, in my opinion. I would recommend it any fucking day of the week. This is the hardest possible recommendation. Uh I uh yeah, again, like Mad Max movies follow an extremely loose canon, so you don't have to watch any of the other movies before Literally, watching. Literally, if
1: you wanted to watch Just Fury Road, you could watch Just Fury Road.
2: Exactly. That's what I did for the longest time. Yeah, and, same. Uh, it's it's fantastic it's perfect it really is like the closest there is to a perfect movie like i think the only other quote-unquote perfect movie that i would consider a perfect movie that we talked about was like spider-verse or something but like that might be me
1: that's 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 such a good movie too
2: yeah but uh yeah I, i can't really say anything more about it but uh chris i'm gonna
0: echo a lot of stefan's statements i don't know if i'd call it the best action movie i've ever seen or my favorite action movie of all time or even the greatest action movie of all time, but you know, I think there's a lot of really heavy contenders for that field. Um, it is certainly like at least top three, and I would say it's definitely tied for my favorite movie of 2015 with Anomalisa. I love that movie. I got to see it. Same. Bringing it back to the Charlie Kaufman Hell shit. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Hell yeah. Um, it's definitely tied for my favorite movie of 2015. It should have won Best Picture out of those nominated. Easy. Um. It's, I would argue, it's probably one of the few films I would say this decade, this century, that will be considered one of the greatest films ever made in the next 50 years. Absolutely. The fact that I got to see this in a theater blows my mind. The fact this movie got made blows my mind even more. I cannot believe this movie exists. As far as where the franchise is going to go from here, I don't care. Let George Miller do what he wants. Yeah. I really can't wait to see what he does. This is an absolute masterpiece. And the fact that he the fact that this was his follow-up from Happy Feet is mind boggling. <laughs> right? Happy
2: Feet 2. <laughs> oh,
0: oh, and and then and then
2: before those, what was it? Babe Pig in the City. Before that, I think it was like Lorenzo's oil. Uh, yeah. Wildly different from anything Mad Max. Oh yeah. my god. George Miller's <laughs> filmography is wild, guys. Uh, so there actually
1: might be a sequel. They've been talking about it forever. Yeah, yeah like, like several I, times in the past. I think
2: George it. Miller and Warner Brothers are also in a dispute over, I think, something regarding con- contractual stuff. So yeah, getting held held up on that front. Like it's it's still like very early in development to the point where like we might not actually ever see it. Basically, my stance on it is 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 if it happens, I'm in favor of it happening, and if it doesn't happen, I'm in favor of it not happening because the time isn't right. All right, Brandon. Final thoughts.
1: Uh, I fucking love this movie. I highly recommend it to anybody who isn't a, a fan of any kind of genre of anything. It's it's I can't, I have nothing bad to say about this movie at all. Like I'm I'm basically agreeing with what you guys have said earlier. It's just like I I, I think I agree with Chris. I don't know if it's the best action movie I've seen of all time, but it's like definitely the top three. Like you said, like I have to agree with that.
0: Um, we're done. Yeah, we are. Uh, um all right we are we are done guys wow holy shit all right another
2: that was an odyssey
0: that was that was absolute hell um that was probably (laughs) as much hell to record as it was for george miller to actually that's not true (laughs) (laughs) um that's 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 a
1: fucking exaggeration (laughs) comparing our minimal production quality to george miller's excruciating directorial process
2: (laughs)
0: <laughs> all, long live King George Miller of the lunatics yes. oh,
2: god man.
0: we're calling it early I think all of us are sick and tired of recording because this has been a fucking trip so let's get this shit on the road now we are sequel decay you can follow up you can like us on Facebook at uh, just sequel decay uh follow us on Twitter at decay sequel you can now follow us on Instagram which is just at sequel decay as far as I'm concerned. Um, if that changes, I'll just quickly update it. There will be a link in the description anyway. Who gives a shit? Subscribe to our YouTube channel, though that might not be the most active thing for us to start publishing stuff on at this point because we're YouTube, noticing that YouTube,
1: views, uh, YouTube stuff's in development right now. We're, uh, yeah, we're fig-
0: YouTube, figuring it out. YouTube's in development. If you want to listen to some of our older episodes on YouTube just to give us some hits, go to town. If you want to subscribe for any future stuff that we wind up doing, go to town, but right now, YouTube's YouTube's kind of in this weird place for us because we kind of don't know what to do. Um, Anyway, but if you want to listen to new episodes of the show consistently, you can listen to those on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, um, Anchor, and yeah, of course, you can listen to older episodes on YouTube as always, but again, that, as far as future stuff is concerned, it won't be on there anymore. Um, you can follow each of us on Twitter through our own personal accounts the links are once again in the description below and finally just because it's August and the protests are really slowing down that doesn't mean that black lives don't
1: matter Thank you. the black lives matter movement is still very important yeah, the,
0: yes and we of course will still have links in the description please click on them donate support do whatever you can yeah um, and besides that um, If you have any other spare money floating around, you can support us on Patreon. Uh, We have sponsorships now, so we're getting eight cents off of that. So really, your Patreon money doesn't matter to us.
1: Just kidding. We love you to listen to Chris. Yeah, please give us (laughs) I
0: I I think it was the end of the Snowpiercer episode where Brandon said, like, every time I do the sign off, I always somehow find a way to diss our fan
2: base every time what if that's the thing that's making people decide not to donate and we're like (laughs) like thousands of dollars all right that's done Uh, we're leaving i want to go to bed yeah thanks for listening everybody join us next time bye Bye, everybody i'll see you all in bye etc bye